Hey everybody, I'm Nick Galfis. I play Dr. Halstead in Chicago Med, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Welcome to episode 209 of Meet Us at Molly's. We are, of course, covering this week's episode. So episodes 12, 7, 12, 10, 12, and 9, 12. Um, ordinarily, it's just me and Bryna, but it's not this week. We've got a friend with us. She is the editor-in-chief of Fangirlish. She writes very honest reviews of One Chicago <laughs> on the website, and we appreciate them so much. Lisette Lanusa is here. Lisette, thank you so much for joining us. This is so much fun. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And you and everyone, like everyone on the internet does, can call me Lissy. Because when you say my full name, it sounds like my mom is yelling at me that I did something <laughs> wrong. So that's what I'm like. Everyone can call me Lizzie. Lizzie. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for joining us. I know we've been, we've been DMing like we're besties for months now. So this is, this is only fitting. We had to have you on the pod. So yeah, so it's glad. been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. For sure. For sure. So we always start with the news, but you guys, this was the last episode before Olympic hiatus. We don't have any news, no episode oh, wow, descriptions, wow. no promo photos. There was like didn't LaRoyce do an interview this week or something? And he like teased episode 13 in like a blurb or something yeah, like that. Yeah. A little bit, but it's like barely anything. It's just, yeah, we're just yeah. in that time period. There's no news. They're not coming back for five weeks and it's just, it just sucks. But it's okay. It's okay. Because Twitter was like having a meltdown when the show and the shows ended on Wednesday. They were like, oh my God, like six weeks. How are we going to do it? It's going to be so long. You guys, we got this. We got this. We did a seven month hiatus in 2020. Don't ever forget that. We did it. We got this. Six weeks is nothing. Five weeks. So don't make so it longer. Fast, don't make dude. it longer. Yeah. Don't make it longer. But yeah. It'll I mean, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it six? I thought it was six. Maybe it was it's just me. Five. I thought it was six. I think it's five. Let me count. Hold on. Pretty sure it was six. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. One. Two, three, four, five. It's five. It's five. Five. Okay. I can't do math. Don't math at me. I can't math. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but we still got this. We still got this. We did seven months in 2020. Six weeks will be five weeks will be nothing. We got this. And it's not like any of our besties ended the episodes in like mortal peril, right? They're all okay. They all it's actually fine. seem in pretty good places. So yeah. we'll take it. We'll take so it. I am totally comfortable leaving them there for five weeks and like not returning. I'm totally okay with it because like nobody is in a precarious position. In fact, if Hawkins and Violet are going to be making out against that wall for the next five weeks, <laughs> A plus 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 plus. So much the better. So we got this. We got this. So uh, no patron shout outs, no news, as we always say. Um, Lizzie, let me ask you this, because I, 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 the Olympics are getting a bad rep um, amongst one Chicago Twitter because everybody's just like, oh, the Olympics. Er, er. I am in the minority. I love the Olympics, but I've also attended oh, the Olympics game. Yeah. OK, so how do we feel? Are we do we love the Olympics? Do we not love the Olympics? I love the Olympics and I especially love the Winter Olympics. I love skate. I love ice skating so much i'm gonna enjoy like i mean i love one chicago but like for us it's also a work um when the episodes are in there's a lot of work that comes with it so i always get this bittersweet feeling when we have um time off 
because I'm like, because ah, writing three reviews, like when I decided I was going to review all three shows, I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to do one the night of, two the day before. It's, that's a lie because I always have so many feelings and I want to put them into paper right away well, into the computer. Um, so I always end up writing all three reviews the same night. So I go to bed super late and I wake up groggy the next day. And like, that is one thing I am not going to miss. But when once Chicago comes back, I am going to do the same probably. So, I mean, the Olympics will be on a better schedule for me. Uh, but also, um, they're not that far ahead in filming. We were going to get a break anyway, because mm-hmm. filming is catching up. So yeah. at least we'll have the Olympics to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I love the Olympics. Um, I, I'm more of a summer Olympics person. Gymnastics is my jam, but like, I still, I love the Olympics period. So I will be watching everything. So I did gymnastics for years as a kid was never any good, but it was good enough that I could look at the, the kids who were better and be like, Oh, so that's me watching the Olympics. Yeah, I get really excited sometimes and I'll text Bryna like speaking fluent gymnastics and she's like, what, uh, are you speaking English right now? Like, what are you saying? I don't yeah, know. Text, I don't text know. Me I've learned, like that. I was going to say, I've learned a lot, but I still have no idea half the time what she's yeah, talking about. No, no, but it's okay. Bryna doesn't even speak soccer and I'm still just like, that was amazing. Let me tell you why. God, but why are you and I not best friends? It feels like between the soccer and the gymnastics and you just said Olympics, I think we should have been best friends before. And the legal backgrounds. We're like the same person. (laughs) I know. Like, this is like the stepbrothers meme. Like, did we just become best friends? (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on. No news. We're in the Olympic hiatus. I'm totally cool with it. You guys, we got this. We got this. It's cool. So um, without further ado, I guess it's time to move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We're starting with Ned because we always start with Ned. We always start with Ned. Okay. We are starting with our fave. We got him back for one episode, Ethan. And then he's going to be gone for another six weeks. Well, really more than that, but six episodes. Like absence really makes the heart grow fonder because like in past seasons, I know um, our friend Rachel, she's been binging one Chicago. She finally caught up by the way, but uh, she was going through that season where Ethan was just a straight asshole the, the entire time. And we were just like, oh yeah, he's the worst. But now that he's been gone, like for more episodes than he's been here. I'm like, I miss you. Like, Come back to me. So I'm happy anytime we get him. Yeah. And he put on a real like masterclass last night. He was so, I mean, Brian T's always really good, but this was, yeah, something else. For sure. For the sure. only thing I, I didn't miss was a mustache. It, that can leave <laughs> that we, we can get rid of that. Other than that, like, and it's also, I feel like unfair to take him away for so long. And the first scene we see of him back is coming out of the pool because there was no need for that scene. That was just back muscles and like, look at this man. And I'm, I'm happy to look like, that is just unfair. And then I, I look at his face and he's such a handsome man. Why do men do that mustache thing? Like, yeah. does anyone really like it? Is it attractive on anyone? Are we going there? We're going there. Okay. I, I'll just flat out say it. I don't think mustaches are attractive on anyone. Not even Chris Evans could pull it off. If Chris Evans can't pull it off, you can't either. That's it. <laughs> I like how Chris Evans is the bar. Like, can he pull it off? Then no. 
No, I've actually never been a fan of beards either, but I make exceptions for that. My two exceptions for beards, Mark Paul Gossler on pitch and Patty. Those are my two exceptions. We Those don't are solid talk- choices. Those are we- solid choices. Yeah, we don't talk about Jay Halstead with the beard. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it, but... Those two. I See, I like Jay Halstead with the beard, but the other ones are solid choices. I typically like beards, but Jay is one of the 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 few men who look as good for me without a beard. Um, I usually, on the other hand, I'm like beard is better than no beard. And then there's Jay Halstead who, like, even (laughs) if he has no beard, I'm like, okay, you're good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There were like two episodes in like season three where he had a beard, and I was like. I was like, you're adorable, honey, but uh uh-uh. uh. No. So actually, I'll add a third to that list and I'll say Chris Evans in Infinity War because, like, how do you not? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Chris Evans yeah. is the standard for everything. <laughs> he is. I, I actually, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I'm like, that. that's perfect. That's like, that's going to be our standard for the one Chicago men now forever. We're going to be like, Sever, I did what? Would Chris Evans do that? Wait a second. <laughs> perfect man perfect okay so we start this episode ethan is just like banging out rehab he's crushing it he's like doing laps in the pool just ethan just doing ethan things there's just separate things and there's just ethan things just ethan things so he's killing it in the pool and then he goes to get out of the pool and that's where we see he is he's kind of a changed man i think that is the reason for the longer hair and the mustache um Although He's it might be with that like wiser, older look. Is that what you're trying to say? Maybe, but like you, you can tell in the shot when he's getting out of the pool. Okay. A, we've got to talk about that scar that runs like the length of his spine. That's gnarly. But also you see it in his face that like, this is a different Dr. Choi. He's not bright eyed and like, I was going to say bright eyed and bushy tailed, but there's never been anything bushy tailed and bright about Ethan ever. <laughs> um, this is like a darker version of him. He's been through some shit. Yeah. Like for sure. Yes. I I I'm actually really looking forward to a different thing. Like he's had his moments where I've been like, but everyone on Med. Med is a weird show because I think every character has gone through a moment where I'm like, I cannot stand you. Um, <laughs> except Dr. Charles, I guess. Dr. Charles is always Dr. Charles mostly. Um, but everyone has a, a moment where I'm like, why are you doing that? Or like, is that that gift from the office? Like, why are you the way you are? <laughs> like that. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to a darker turn. And especially considering this episode, I and Brian can pull it off. For sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Uh, how do, okay, so we've been saying for a couple of weeks now that Med has become our safe show. Um, in that, you know, Fire gave us abandonment issues. We're still emotionally traumatized from that. We want to punch Void through a wall. We'll get there. And in the gist of the whole thing, Med has become our safe show. How do you feel about that? I 100% agree. Like, if you told me when season seven of Med started that Med would be this consistent, um, I would have been like, there's no way. I've been watching this show for six seasons. There's no way they can do this. Unless they like shake up the writing room, I thought. And then there's this, um, where I'm like, every character sort of works. I'm interested in everyone. They brought in in Donna Paulson. And I was like, how is she going to fit here? And here she is. And then there's Sharon Goodwin, who like, I love Bowden, but I will fight for Sharon Goodwin as the best boss in one Chicago. You will? Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, 
Well, I mean, I don't know. When we get back to Bowden and I think about, but like, well, I mean, Boyd is not even in the conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I just, I love her so much this episode. And I I've actually really love her storyline with Will and just, I mean, her taking the, I'm not going to say the blame, but her taking the heat for what happened. Um, but I love that she was just like to dr marcel like do what you need to do and i'll be there and i'll support you and i'll even scrub in um so i think med has certainly become the safe show like i never feel like oh this is going to be a horrible episode of med as i turn it on and who am i who i don't know it feels like this is the weirdest thing that has happened in the pandemic yeah like it really is though it it, really is and like it's one thing that med is the best that it's ever been this season but it's another thing that we're like med is the show we can count on like not break our hearts not like emotionally manipulate us like we're gonna feel some feelings but we're gonna be okay before fire and pd we're not gonna be completely destroyed it's the safe show which like i never thought would ever happen in a million years me never never it's funny it's funny so as Ethan is leaving the gym, I mean, you can tell it. I, I think that's the reason for the longer hair and the stash is just to show us like, hey, he's different. It's like when PD tries to tell us that the only difference between regular Jay and undercover Jay is a hat. Um, that's kind of what this is. <laughs> so as Ethan is leaving, he runs into Dr. Charles. Of all the gyms in Chicago, right? Like, isn't Chicago kind of big? How do you run into each other at the same gym? I don't know. I'm not asking questions. But... <laughs> He runs into Dr. Charles. He gets a phone call while he's talking to him. Like, they're going to get breakfast. Dr. Charles is just, like, so genuinely happy to see Ethan. It's so sweet. But turns out that Ethan's dad is sick, and he had no idea. Ethan didn't even know. Um, Not only that, but he still can't drive. Ethan is still not, like, cleared to drive. So, I mean, it's just sometimes when these characters are injured or something like that we always kind of rip the shows because we're just like one episode and then they're fine but we're getting the real story here that like this is a month if not at least a year-long battle that ethan is going through from being shot in the spine well yeah and then he i mean he re-injured himself too right like he tried Mm -hmm. to come back because he thought he was good and then he re-injured himself adding more time to it so yeah, I think they lucked out with, like, obviously Brian going away, and then they had this storyline kind of already set, like, oh, yeah, we can actually show a normal recovery and show that it doesn't just take two episodes and you're done. Um, it's kind of worked out in their favor, but, um, yeah. But also, speaking of the scene, did you guys see the blooper that the Wolf Entertainment account tweeted of them, like, beginning this for this scene? Did you see no, it? Oh, I love bloopers. What was it? It's, like... <laughs> Oliver Platt making a joke. So basically he walks out like when he goes to meet Ethan and he's got all these medals around his neck and he's carrying a trophy and they like, it's like, I guess, I don't know if they were just rehearsing or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, he's like, so what are you na-? like? He's like, why are you have a trophy? And Dr. Charles is just like, oh yeah. Like I bodybuilding, like bodybuilding. He's like, I took first, <laughs> second and third place. And it's just like, it's really funny. <sighs> I love bloopers. I hate that I miss that. I love that. <laughs> it's so because they don't ever tweet one therapist yeah for sure for sure that's amazing they never post bloopers they never post bloopers so the fact that they did i thought that was hysterical i love that i love that i found a gift set today on tumblr we'll get we'll get into why we were scrolling tumblr like mad people today um 
subtext like hint hint hakami but um yeah i found a gift of of oliver today from when he was on the west wing and it's just so funny of just like throwback baby oliver platt i know every time i think about the fact that he was on the west wing oh my god oh yeah he was Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can't even remember when you said it my mind was like oh my god (laughs) oh good lizzie speaks west wing too (laughs) the best show Yes, it is. Um, I was gonna, I also review New Amsterdam and I keep looking at Dr. Charles and thinking, you are the best therapist on TV. Um, just not a, even as a dig to the other characters that are. <laughs> Every time I look at Dr. Charles, I feel like he's actually helping people. Um, so I just, I don't know. I've started to appreciate him so much more in comparison to other characters. So I just wanted to say that. I feel like Dr. Charles is like criminally underrated just so underrated like when we met him he was high as a kite let's not forget that yeah (laughs) so we had that and he just always knows the right thing to say the right way to handle a situation just he 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 deserves more love than he gets yeah i was gonna say he would be if he ever if oliver platt ever decided to leave med that would be the departure that would like break my heart like i was like i don't know if i could do med without him not gonna anyone lie. else i could be fine but like him no way oh man yeah no, that would make me really sad really really sad so um so we meet ethan's dad we meet ethan's dad how okay so first impression of ethan's dad is did, did he meet our expectations did he not meet our expectations like what were your first impressions of him for both of you i think he was exactly what i expected him to be i don't know why but he was he had this Ethan dad's vibe. Like I, I felt like he was believable as a man. I could see, well, this is why Ethan is somehow sometimes the way he is. Um, he seemed like a very strict uh, person. There, there was a part of him that I could see was caring, but in, in this way that parents have of being like too strict and sometimes it's not even coming across mm-hmm. real well, we sort of explain some of Ethan's issues. I think, like there's a Ted Lasso quote that's something about like I love meeting people's parents because you sort of see where where the crazy is coming from. That was sort of like my feel. Like oh yeah, I get it now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that. I was gonna say I feel like it kind of fits something similar too because obviously we've only ever met Emily that one time. Like we don't know anything else really about Ethan's familial background. But like I feel like from when we did meet Emily, I got the vibe that they didn't obviously grow up in like a very warm, nurturing, close, you know, family. And so I think this just kind of fit. Not that they don't obviously care about each other, because I definitely got that vibe, but it's not warm and nurturing and they're not super, super close, clearly, because Ethan hasn't talked to his dad in months. So I think it just kind of fit what at least piecing together from back when we met Emily, it kind of fit with what I would have assumed. Yeah. And, and Emily was kind of the missing part in all of this, right? All this stuff that was going on with dad, I was like, has anybody bothered to call Emily? And also what is dad's relationship with Emily? Cause dad's such a hard ass and straight laced and Emily is so not. Well, what and also where like? the fuck is Emily? Is Emily like, I mean, we haven't heard from her since she left Chicago. So mm-hmm. what is she up to? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Maybe Emily is in like the land of misfit toys with like Will's dog and every storyline they've ever forgotten about on PD and <laughs> Katie. And, yeah, for and, sure. And Vanessa? Ah, yes. Justice for <laughs> Vanessa. Yeah. 
fuck's sake oh like yeah. it, it drives me nuts that that's still a mystery we just never addressed <laughs> it one line one line that's all i needed all we had yeah. to say was like oh hey rojas went xyz and like cool yep i have a really dark head cannon about what happened to her but i'm not going to share it for fear of getting tomatoes thrown at me um uh, <laughs> knows it though she thinks i'm crazy but she loves me i think mm-hmm. so <laughs> um i got the vibe from ethan's dad that he's basically he's basically pat halstead 2.0 oh yeah i yeah. mean all these characters that have daddy issues just need like a good night at molly's to do, sort of discuss these daddy issues do the writers of all three shows do they need a big hug like <laughs> there's a pattern with all of the one chicago dads do, do you guys all just need big hugs because it's like we volunteer we, we we will hug you with masks on safely but like it had been a while since we killed one off, but we've clearly gone back into that pattern now. So. <laughs> yep, yep. Another one bites the dust. Uh, so bad. It's so bad. So yeah, he's Pat Halstead 2.0 and there's like some banter at one point. They're all bantering and whatever. And then like Ethan's dad literally looks at him at one point and he's like, well, at least I can still walk around without a cane. Excuse me. Hold the phone. You did not just say that. Do we think Ethan's dad knew that he had been shot in the back? Do we think that was a thing that he knew? Or was he just as surprised to see him with a cane? Like, do we think he knew that? I think he knew. Because uh, otherwise, if he, if he didn't know, he if he didn't know, he wouldn't have made the crack. He probably would have asked, like, what the hell's with the cane? That's right. what I'm assuming. But, you know. But he yeah. probably found out, like, three weeks later. Or when Ethan yeah. was like... Uh, like it, it doesn't feel like Ethan just called my dad. Like I just got shot. No, like yeah. three weeks later, I'm doing better. Oh, let my let's maybe he didn't even call. Maybe he was like, can someone let my dad know? He mm-hmm. just sent a text, not even a call, not even a phone call. He just sent a text. But, but dad's his dad doesn't really look like the texting kind. Like it looks like he wouldn't even like. Let me send a letter via the mail. Let me send a letter. Just like the One Tree Hill reference just came to me. And like, all I see is a message that says like, got shot, need ass. And then everybody's like, assistance. (laughs) Oh, this is why we don't drink in podcast. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So they're about to leave Ethan and Dr. Charles and Ethan's like, of course, like, of course this is going to happen this way. He's stubborn. Why did we come up here? Why did we do this? And right as they're about to get in the car, Ethan's dad's nurse comes out and calls him back in. So Ethan's dad has collapsed and they get him to, they get him to med and his doctor comes out to speak to Ethan. Turns out it is a fast growing brain tumor that has metastasized pretty much everywhere and Ethan's dad has known about it for like months. He's been talking to his doctor about it. He's been managing it and everything. Ethan had no idea. My heart broke a couple of times for Ethan in this episode. And this was like the first time. Yeah. The look on his face. I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking. Ugh. So sad. it was sort of to me, like he, his heart broke. And then he was like, well, why should I have expected differently? Which broke his heart again, because I think he also sort of processed it as normal for his dad or maybe for their relationship. So that was a part of that kind of got to me more that he very quickly went from this is super sad to, well, that's my dad. It was like, I shouldn't be like that. 
Yeah, like you totally saw the roller coaster. How he was like, yeah, he's like, well, this is sad, but wait, it's my dad. But also, that's not normal. And then he was just kind of like, now I'm sad that that's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my heart. Like, yeah. And like, there's no doubt that they loved each other. It's just that like they couldn't get past their own like macho relationship to actually say it to each other. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important too. obviously they're both veterans. And I think a lot of that, you know, I I would assume that his dad probably suffered from some PTSD too. And that's Mm -hmm. why he is the way he is and is closed off. We all know Ethan has suffered from some of that as well. And I think, you know, that, you know, they just kind of realized that they had that relationship. And obviously, like you said, it's not normal, but it was the way they are. And it just kind of added to all of the heartbreak too. And, you know, yeah, it was really, it was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. So then they get Ethan's dad back home and Ethan goes to talk to him. And I thought this was going to be a total like heartbreaker of a scene and it went totally the opposite direction. So they talk and um, Brenna, who says this line? Is it Ethan or the dad? Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. So Ethan says, he's like, I know it really hasn't been our thing to talk about stuff. I'm not putting that on you. I could have been more open. There's just so much between us that goes unsaid. Uh, and then the dad starts rambling about snow tires and Ethan's like, what the hell? I figured the brain tumor was making him kind of delirious at that point. Um, and so Ethan just like insists, he's like, no, we have to go get these snow tires. And Dr. Charles is like, just go get them tomorrow. Like what the hell? And Ethan has like a legit breakdown, which like, if you're going to have a breakdown in front of anybody, Dr. Charles is the perfect person to do it in front of. Yeah perfect because like he's gonna validate you he's gonna make you feel that you know you're not a burden it's totally valid what you're feeling it was a yeah it it was it was really sad and how he was trying to open the car door and then he dropped the keys and like he just broke down Ugh, so heartbreaking so heartbreaking so what does Ethan do? He goes and gets the damn snow tires. He goes and gets the damn snow tires. And as they're doing it, I mean, you can see in his face that he's just kind of resentful. He's like, what the fuck? Like, why snow tires? The phone rings. It's the nurse. He hands the phone to Dr. Charles. And like, he knows what's up. He knows what's up. He hands, he hands the phone to Dr. Charles. And Dr. Charles comes back and he is like, I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you this. Like, your dad passed away. And this is the last scene of the episode, the very last scene of the episode. And Ethan just looks up and he just goes, he didn't want me to see him die. Fade to black. My heart was in my throat for like the first 15 minutes of fire. I was like, Stella's doing great, but I really just want to cry. Like, brutal. Brutal. I actually thought when the dad started talking about the snow tires, I thought, well, he's going to die. Um, yeah. I, and he, I, what Ethan didn't see right away, I, I sort of imagined that was coming, which just made Ethan's breakdown all the more heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, but you're leaving and your dad's gonna die. And so, yeah, Ethan, like, mustache aside, I would have given him a, well, always would have given him a hug, but he deserved like 10 hugs. Like, everyone give Ethan a hug, please. I was like, Dr. Charles, can you go, please? Please go give this man a hug. Like, you're the only one there. Hug him. Yeah. 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 This whole storyline for me, at least personally, like, really, like, it was really hard to watch. Um, I saw a lot of what happened when my mom passed away in this. And it just, it really, I, 
I thought they did so well. And like I said earlier, Brian T just like acted the hell out of this. And it was just, it was really, really hard to watch, but I mean, in a good way. Yeah. In a bad way. Major shout out to Brian for popping in for an episode here and there this season and just knocking it out of the park every time he does. Yeah. Just, yeah. He broke my heart in like a million pieces in this episode. And now Shattered like- it. Think of all of the stuff he's been through in the last year. My God, he got <laughs> shot in the spine. He had a setback and now his father died on top of all of that. And now he has to process those emotions. Never mind that there's like 20, 30 plus years of like repressed emotion that's going to come out now. Yep. A lot. That is a lot for one human to handle. Yeah. Oh. And then he's got to come back to a different ED than the one he left. Really. There's no... People are different too. So at least there's Maggie. But like, <laughs> he's walking into the ED. He's like, "What the hell did you guys do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy. So uh, we got a couple of listener thoughts on this one. Jess B said, "Brian T, man, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Brian T is a phenomenal actor, and if you let him be all broody and emotional, he will literally carry any storyline. I will snap to that. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes." plus shirtless muscly wet brian t we were blessed the storyline itself was fine it felt maybe a little lost amongst everything else going on in the episode but i get that they probably only had brian for a certain amount of time and wanted to give him something to do i mean if you want to talk about all the ways we were hashtag blessed this week i can run down the laundry list like (laughs) multiple blessings amongst all three shows just it was a good week it's a good week to be a shyard good week yeah yeah. I am curious though, and I wonder what you guys think. Like, do you think that they, when Brian re-signed his contract in the summer or whatever, or like renegotiated or whatever, obviously knowing he was going to be in Japan for this other project, that he was like, I'll come back for one episode? Or like, is he just not needed in Japan? And so he's like, oh, I guess I'll go play in Chicago again. Like, it does seem kind of random when you think about it, that he did like one episode kind of in the middle, and then we won't get him back for a while. But I'm just kind of curious, like, how it worked contractually didn't he do an interview either this week or last week and like talking about this and he was just kind of saying that he feels like a player on the sidelines and he's like put me in coach which that tells me that like he's in Chicago more than he's in Hong Kong where the show shoots and I'm like wait a second like you've got Brian T sitting here in Chicago like chilling and you're only gonna put him in a couple of episodes at a time that can't be right I mean, it might have been something about when they ended up filming this episode. If it was around the holidays, he might have gotten an ex- a longer holiday break from the right. other project and might have been in Chicago. And they might have been like, oh, you're here. You're here. Come, come. Um, th- that would make sense to me. Much more sense than, than thinking that he knew he was going to have a couple of weeks there because filming doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but them realizing that Brian is in Chicago and that they could put him in an episode or him maybe they had this storyline planned for later in the season and then maybe brian's availability sort of made them um rework the storyline for earlier t- to give the poor man more trauma um <laughs> before he goes <laughs> like i mean they're setting up darker ethan for sure like yeah. they've thrown yeah. all of those last him. like four or five episodes or whatever it is at the end of the season they're gonna be like some real dark shit to end the season yeah yeah for yeah. sure i'm for worried sure. about med because i mean considering the way uh chicago fire has ended and, and pd has ended in previous seasons like i don't remember med like they they've had some but 
Like, I, I feel like this might be the season Mad ends on, like, it's going to be steady all season. We're going to be our safe show. And then they're going to just pull the rug from under us. Like, yeah. When was the last time Med had, like, a terrible cliffhanger? Was that when Dr. Charles got shot? Season two. Right. Season two. It's been long. Well, wait. That was also the season that Natalie got hit by a whole ass car. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. <laughs> you know, okay. let's not forget that when Manstead was just sitting in a car and another car just went like i forgot about that so <laughs> i think bad. it's because yeah, me too completely. that was when that was when uh she was with that other guy i can't remember Philip. that he harding played yes yeah, Philip, and, and he was the worst and i just kind of blocked that storyline out of my brain and we met crockett and he had every chance to endear himself to us by saying like hey check out that ring and he didn't yeah oh yeah yeah i see i've blocked all this out because it was terrible so i've just <laughs> blocked it out remember that time ava turned out to be an actual serial killer (laughs) yeah (laughs) we've come so far (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) brian take us through megan r yeah megan r said i'm so glad that we are getting to see more of ethan's family the last person we saw was emily speaking of what is she doing now i'm quite curious yeah it's been a long time since we've heard from emily so i am curious what she's up to yeah yep yep so now we have what like six more episodes before we get Ethan back for good yeah 18 we miss you come back so it'll be probably like April yeah Uh, yeah such a long time away yeah god all right moving on to Stevie and William William is William what we call him when we're not happy with him she's calls him William all the time because she is the biggest Will Hall <laughs> I love him because <laughs> he's a mess but he's my mess he he is a mess and I've gone through all the stages of grief I feel with him like he was my favorite in season one and then there were times where I was like well well work with me here I want to love you <laughs> work with me here like work with me here uh but we're we're back to happy land with will like i'm really loving will in season okay seven. but now you just said it out loud so we gotta knock on wood because like <laughs> yes wait <laughs> knocking on okay. some wood here you said it out loud hopefully like the one chicago gods don't like hear that and be like let's fuck shit up <laughs> what's that will can make a dumb decision today let's do it <sighs> all right brenna take it away okay So Stevie and Will. So we start off and Will and Stevie are talking in the doctor's lounge about this gala that is happening. And I was like, wait a second. It's not the same gala because it's not. This is a fundraising gala for the hospital. And then we also obviously got the CFD gala, which we'll get into. But like we got blessed with two galas this week. Like what is happening? Hashtag blessed. Although supremely blessed. Are we really blessed if we didn't actually get the gala? We just got... Okay, you know I'm going to take the win on this because we got suited up well. That's what I was going to say. He he got to put on the suit, so, like, I'll take it. I'm taking the W. Fair, fair, fair. Um, but, yeah, so, and they're supposed to go together, too, which is, like, also, it's like, wait a second. I feel like we went from bowling that didn't happen to now we're going to a gala together. Like, I feel like we missed a step, but I'm not complaining, so I'll take it. <laughs> I just need them to make out already. Like, if you guys are just trying to find, like, the perfect date circumstance, you're never going to find it. Just just kiss in the doctor's lounge. Get it over with. 
No, because if they kiss already, that just means it's going to go bad after. I'd rather get this low burn. And then think, when we get it, it'll be happier for longer. Like I uh, think okay. Will, given the way that his relationships have gone the last couple of seasons, I think he needs the slow burn. You've both got very valid points and I hate it. It'll be worth it. I, I think know. this is going to be, I think it's going to work out and I, it'll be worth it. I think I'm just impatient. I know. But yes, when they make out, it'll be great. Finally, when they do, but it can happen. It you know, in a few episodes from now. Yeah. Um. But Med went super, super topical this week with this storyline because we get Stevie. Stevie gets a patient, and she's a pregnant woman who passed out. Um. She's anemic, and Stevie starts out wanting to run some tests, but the patient doesn't want like any of it. Um. And she's also, as we find out, she is anti-vax. So yeah, they went there. Yeah. They went there. I mean, if any show was going to go there, I would have, like, I mean, the medical show probably. Um, So I wasn't really surprised. Um, I feel like they weren't as preachy as they could have been. Like, it could have been more preachy. Instead, they were like, well, here are our facts and you decide. Um, But I have we seen another show just go at it so directly as i can't think of any other show think so like it didn't surprise me it was just like oh we're doing this this is Mm -hmm. the episode i didn't realize we were i'm like oh we're going there um but yeah they definitely i think they approached it in a really interesting way because it's not like they were you know super like you said they're not super preachy about it they clearly show what she feels and her reactions and then you kind of get the other side with her husband too um who's kind of in the middle and then you get the doctor's point of view so like I thought they approached it really interestingly but yeah it just was like oh okay this is the week we're going there awesome yeah um but yeah, also Will makes a comment in the scene about like assuming that her OB is a male and it was like, okay, why would you assume that? But this was such a little thing, but I just couldn't help but like bookmark it because he, he like there's no indication of, you know, the, the OB being male or female and, and Will's just like, well, if you give me the information, I can call him. This is like a couple of jobs ago. I had a female boss and every time I would say my boss, people would be like, well, what does he think? And I'd be like, she she like bosses can be female too y'all just right I, I don't know if it's just maybe it's just because it's 2022 now I've been making more of a focused effort when I'm discussing like clients or anything at work to, to use they until I know either way so that just kind of yeah. irked me a little bit I was like William like hey don't assume don't assume I don't know yeah um yeah, but so going back, so the patient's husband comes in and he is not happy with the way she's been dealing things either. And she's actually really pissed that she's unvaccinated and has now kind of risked their baby's health because of the fact that she's unvaccinated. But anyway, she eventually agrees to like have some tests run, but like kicks her husband out of the room. So things are going great. And, but then we go and we have Stevie and Will Goodwin and lawyer guy whose name I, again, can't remember. Um, And we find out that the husband is basically trying to get medical um, power of attorney, but they kind of say for now, they're going to hold off. And Stevie's just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to disregard my patient's wishes. Like, this is not, 
I may not agree with her, but she is still completely in the right to, you know, she's of my, you know, a sane mind. Like, you know, they're her wishes. But then things aren't going well. So the baby's numbers start tanking and she needs a C-section. We get a slight Dr. Pachevsky reference, but. Okay, wait, this is the doctor that Will made out with, right? Yes. Okay, because I that's what I thought. I heard the name and I was like, oh, Will's going to make shit awkward. And then I saw her and I was like, wait, no, I don't think that's the doctor Will made out with. I just wanted to make sure I was sure. Okay. No, it definitely is. Yeah. Remember that? TBT? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, this patient is very worried about the vaccine with regards to getting a blood transfusion. She's like, can you guarantee that if I need blood that, you know, that would come from an unvaccinated person? And they're just like, well, that's not something we screen for. So no. So she basically refuses. She's like, I don't want any blood then. No blood. And Will and Stevie like handled this whole conversation well. They try to get through to her. Like Will at one point's like, Lisa, you could die. And then she like spouts off all this like, you know, fake news stuff. She's like, oh yeah, like keep up with the stare tactics. Like all you doctors have been doing since the beginning of the pandemic. And it's just, but they handle it well. They handle it well. But when Will and Stevie are walking out, Will's just like still think she should be making her own decisions. Like the little Ugh. sassy comment, but yeah. It's so cringe. Yeah. I mean, it was about as close as we got to Will being well. I mean, if this is as bad as it gets, I guess I'll take it. Because I, I thought he, w- I thought it, they were going to make a bigger deal out of it. Like, I thought it was going to be a real confrontation between Stevie and Will. Because you could tell that they disagreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, Will's going to do a Will. And then Will didn't really do a Will. So I'm like, all in all... As someone who just doesn't want well to start just like it, it it's he he sometimes common sense and well halstead just don't go together um so i i always appreciate when he remembers common sense and like what his job is so like give your opinion and then let the patient make their own decision i guess I'm a little afraid to say this out loud because I don't want to like put it into the universe, but like Will hasn't pulled a Will this season, has he? No, like I, 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 I wanted to put it in my review. What? Knock on wood again. Yeah, let's knock on wood again. I wanted to put it on my review. And then I was like, these are the kind of things you don't say out loud. So yeah, I was thinking that too, just in case. Okay, so full listeners, you have full authority. When Will pulls a Will this season, you can totally come for me in the mentions. I deserve it. It's warranted. There. <laughs> Go on. It's going to happen. I'll just say this. It's going to happen at some point, but the longer we can hold off, the better I'll feel about it. There. Like, if, they, if he makes it to, like, the end of the season, like, those last couple of episodes until he pulls a Will, then I'm like, okay, this was a great season. I'm good. Like, you know. And, but I think it's going to happen. But anyway. But he, he gets, like, one a season. If he'd done one a season for the first six seasons, we wouldn't be calling it pulling a Will. Uh, but <laughs> he, there was a point there where it was, like, every week or every two weeks, and you were, like... If you got like half an episode without him pulling a will, you felt like that was a win. We've gotten 12. So yeah, <laughs> fair. Yeah. fair. I, if he only pulls one will this season, I will be so proud. I will consider it a victory if there's yeah. only one will. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Stevie goes to talk to the husband and like they're 
isn't almost really a point because she's you know because of HIPAA and the fact that the wife kicked him out of the room like she can't really disclose anything or update the husband so she like asks him though like if he's a viable blood donor and he says he's not because he's vaccinated but like and then he's like well do you have any other updates and see if he's like uh no and I'm just like why did you even go out there like what was the point like clearly something in her head was turning but like I didn't really understand why she even wanted like why she went out there Mm -hmm. Anyway, so ultimately Lisa ends up consenting to the C-section, but she is, she's in clear distress. So she really has no choice, but she is very clear about the fact that she is to get no blood whatsoever. None. So Stevie and Will watch and she, somehow this girl ends up lucking out. She doesn't need a transfusion. The baby's okay. Um, you know, she even mentions at one point, like, picking a name and having the husband come back in to, you know, help her. And it's just like, who is this woman we just met 20 minutes ago who's now okay now? Um, the cheese ball smiles between Will and Stevie, though. Like, just, like, I ate that up. Not even going to be sorry to admit it, that. <laughs> there's a picture from the pictures they released this week where Will is giving Stevie a smile that I was like, what is that? Like, is that a picture you're giving me? Like, you don't look at your friends like that. You don't look at your colleagues like that. Like, nope. Will, please stop. Because I, <laughs> one of the things I really wanted is to see if we could make it a season without Will dating anyone. Um, I, I'm not <laughs> sure we're going to make it a season. Like, maybe we should. That that might be better set up for them. But, but he's in episode 12 pulling those smiles. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that was really will making it a season though i mean i guess they can say that since will and stevie did know each other before i guess there's that will's love life doesn't bug me as much as will pulling wills so i'm i'm okay with that so often so often will pulling wills has a lot to do with who he's dating like if if the things weren't so close together maybe his love life wouldn't bother me like he can go and date everyone in the hospital but often he pulls a well, depending on who he's dating or what is happening with the person he's dating. So I just don't want that to be the reason he's pulling a well. Like if he's going to pull a well, like, I don't know. Like, or he pulls a well and then starts dating someone to kind of cover up the fact that he just pulled a well. That was last season's problem was that he pulled a will and then he's like, oh no, like I'm just going to date her and it's fine. (laughs) Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Just yeah, I didn't actually do that mistake. What are you talking about? I'm I'm in a happy relalationship. It's fine. And I was like, well, it's totally fine. Did she just be in the bathroom? No, everything's cool. Oh man. That's a really good point though. That is a really good point. Cause we, we always made the point about Manstead and how Natalie was just like the devil on his shoulder like just egging him on and now that stevie's around he's been pretty good i don't know i'm gonna knock on wood again i can't believe i just said that again what am i doing tonight i'm like tempting the one chicago gods yeah Yeah. shit i mean i I think it might have been the bat the type of balance maybe they found the the writing personalities wise that sort of worked as a balance hopefully yeah i mean for stevie too for for the character they're trying to develop with her not just for will Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um but so Lisa's baby has like some breathing issues. So they take her to the NICU for further observation. And so Lisa's husband's in there, like looking at the baby, baby's going to be fine, whatever. And then all of a sudden a nurse comes in and Lisa has like crashed. And then like two seconds later, she's dead. 
And it's just like, okay, that kind of took a turn of events. I guess it's because she really did need some blood. You know, I guess she lost blood when she had the baby and then, you know, they didn't give her any blood. I would assume they didn't really make that totally clear, like what she died from, but I'm assuming because they made the blood such an issue that like, if she had just gotten more blood, she would have been fine. Yeah. She hemorrhaged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Crazy. Very drastic turn. I mean, yeah. I think they make it obvious. They have the husband ask about why isn't she getting blood? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah. And then things kind of end, though, with in the doctor's lounge. CV and the husband had had a conversation, you know, about like the fact that the husband's now kind of lost and doesn't know what to do. And, you know, it kind of gets TV's wheels turning about the fact you know, about her divorce, because that's kind of what's been looming on her mind. So all of a sudden, we go to the doctor's lounge again, and we get suited up William, suited up Will, getting ready for the gala. And Stevie comes in and basically tells him, he's like, she's like, yeah, I can't go with you. I'm going to Detroit to finalize my divorce. And she just says, you know, like, I, you know, I kind of left him, you know, and yeah, obviously, we're not meant to be, but I owe him an explanation. Does Will still need a date for the gala? (laughs) Because, like, I'm available. You volunteer's tribute. Charlie would be cool with it, I think. I don't know. I mean, I I just got married and I'll also volunteer. (laughs) We haven't discussed fictional characters, but I'm sure he'd be cool with it. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) But, yeah, that's kind of where we end things for Will and Stevie. Is Stevie's now going to get divorced, officially. I mean, I'm... I like where this is going. I really, I'm so far. I'm a fan of Will and Stevie. I'm digging it. Me too. Yeah. More than I expected, and I think the the reason it works because I've always Will Halstead was probably a character that was gonna get me back in. Like he was gonna get back in my good graces. I just needed a few string of episodes of him not pulling a well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Stevie was a character that surprised me from the first episode. Like she with her mom and that storyline. Um, and I think that sort of helped me be like, well, okay, okay, I like this um, because they did a really good job setting her up. Um, I don't know why bring in the divorce if she's really gonna solve it this quickly. Like that feels like it can go as quickly as they are because I mean, it's just been around, like, I mean, yeah, she did mention it to Vanessa earlier in the season, but it's been a thing for like only a couple of episodes. Um, so I don't know, maybe I just, this is my TV, this, I just don't trust um, TV in general, but like, it feels like, well, this was solved very quickly. Why? I don't understand. So I, it feels like next week we're going to be TV. Like I did not get divorced. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just fear talking. Fair though. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. That's legit. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I am excited to see where they go with this, though. I've never been like, I mean, I've always had my ups and downs with Wills and Gina knows like I'm not like anywhere near her level of standing Will, but I am excited to see where this goes. I've not this has by far been my favorite Will Halstead season, and I I am excited to see where this goes. So all I need for him to, for this to be a perfect Will season is for him to call his brother. Okay. <laughs> right. Who got married. Oh, no, wait. This is, should have been a Jay thing. Jay, why didn't you get married? And do not call your brother to at least inform him of the fact that you got married. Well, and like, 
like we we're getting ready to talk about this little mini crossover moment that we had like you couldn't have made that jay instead of kim i mean not that i didn't mind seeing kim but like you couldn't have made that jay just so he could like have a conversation with will of like hey how's my new sister-in-law yeah like that i don't get it but does will even know like did did will find out from facebook or like (laughs) did jay actually tell him did he get a text or did he get a call? Does he even know Haley? <laughs> Fair question. Does he know they were dating at all? Like, <laughs> when was the last time they talked? Like, it because when Dylan mentions Jay, infection, probably like, I infection. It, I feel like that was the last time they genuinely talked was infection. Right. Right, but like at the beginning of this season when Dylan brings up Jay, it doesn't feel like there's been a thing where they haven't talked in ages. Um, the the way that conversation goes, or maybe that's just me. Like I, I, I don't like when conversations happen behind the scenes and we don't get any reference because we're yeah. here trying to be like, when did the brother like and we had a lot of connections when One Chicago started between the shows, and we're basically uh now left with the Halstead brothers who don't talk. <laughs> Yep. They haven't had a scene together in like three seasons. Right? That's what I'm saying. I think the last time we probably saw them on screen was Infection. And that what feels like 10 years ago now at this point. <laughs> I'm surprised when they had that scene with Dylan that like Dylan wasn't like, hey, I know your brother Jay. And Will was like, who? Like, <laughs> I'm surprised. It didn't... Yeah. What? Huh? Who? Jay? Never heard of him. Yeah. Like letter of the alphabet no i don't know who that is like uh, and also how are we like two episodes into the upstead marriage and we still have yet to hear anyone refer to like oh hey this is my husband this is my wife this is my sister-in-law like yeah what i'm saying just the usual pd stuff where we're just like continuity people you're killing me we'll get there we will get there yeah Take us through Jess, Brenna. Okay. So Jess said the storyline with Stevie and Will was very oof this week. I'm surprised <laughs> Matt had it in them to go with such a controversial storyline, and it was hard to watch and quite frustrating. As someone who has loved ones who have become anti-vax during the pandemic, something like this happening to them is terrifying, and being torn between what they would want and what is medically best for them would be a horrendous place to be. I'm usually here for Stevie and Will. I'm riding the slow bird train, but their vibe was a little off this episode. It was like they were acting like they planned to go to the gala together, but did I miss the scene where they actually decided that? Uh, no, you didn't, because it does not exist, as far as we know. I would have paid good money to see that scene. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. So then we move to another area of the hospital, and we move into Crockett and Blake and Goodwin. And wow, this is such a clusterfuck. (laughs) (laughs) It it isn't yet, but it's going to be. It's just like... Uh a slow moving train and you know it's gonna derail and you're just standing there and you're like why doesn't everyone see it it's a slow burn and not in the good way it's it's a train wreck on multiple levels which is like both sad and funny at the same time which i realize is not the intent but still so we like if if we hadn't had the promo we should have been tipped off by the very first line when when dr blake is like well here's hoping we avoid any hiccups in surgery why did you say that like (laughs) Why did you put that into the universe, woman? There's your drinks. There's your drinks. Yeah. So Crockett 
uses this moment as an in. He like finds his opening and asks Pamela out for a drink before they go to the gala. Listen, I know, Bryna. Bryna's making like the throw up face because it's Crockett and Dr. Blake. I know, but you can't deny Crockett has got game. I mean, yes, obviously I would. I would have said yes. It's this specific pairing. I have no... I don't like, but no Crockett in general. Hell yes. Crockett and Blake. Hell no. I mean, it's nothing against Dr. Blake, but like Avery is just such a better pick and you've got more chemistry with her. I mean, it's just, you shouldn't be trying to date the mother and the daughter either way. Like just just pick one. Just like, how is this going to go? Like if it goes well, like, how do you think it's going to go? Like, oh, I want to be your kid. Like I, I still don't think Yeah, I still don't think I would have liked the Crockett and Dr. Blake pairing if we had never had Avery, but then they started with Avery, who I like a lot better, and now they're going to the Dr. Blake stuff. And it's just like you said, it's a clusterfuck. And it just I I don't get it. I don't <laughs> get what we're going here. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, I'm I'm conditioned to like Dr. Blake better just because it's Sarah Rafferty. And um so like there, there's that like I look at her and like look at her she's Donna Paulson like I love her everyone should love her but this still doesn't work even with me conditioned to love her this still doesn't work like yeah even yeah. one of the best actresses can't change the fact that it's not yeah yeah and Brenda you have the best perspective on this because you didn't watch Suits so like Sarah Rafferty does not have like the sentimental value to you that she does to me and Lizzie where we're just like yeah like God save the queen we love Donna Paulson you know <laughs> um but yeah Brenda's got the best like unbiased view on this because I I don't think I could ever bring myself to fully hate Dr. Blake because I'm like Sarah Rafferty man it's Sarah freaking Rafferty like we love her so yeah. I feel that yeah. I feel that yeah. Um, she, speaking of weird, like she shuts him right down. He's like, well, we could go for a drink. And he's doing like the Crockett voice and like the Crockett stare and all like the charm stuff. And she just goes, I can't imagine I'll find the time. That's not what you say when Crockett asks you out for drinks, <laughs> Dr. Blake. My God. Goodness. So they have a patient. She is a diabetic woman in liver failure. And she's got an infected burn on her foot. So they end up having to postpone the surgery because the infection would complicate things. And so the patient's son is not handling this well. He gets up in Dr. Blake's face. He's like, this is what you're going to do. Like, blah, blah, blah. Crockett gets up in his face, like with the finger. And he's like, walk away. And you're just like, ooh, ooh, Crockett, stop it. Like, stop. Like, he just it's, it's the voice. Like, they just the, he has such swagger. I just, yeah swagger yeah yeah so they go I mean, to- she didn't find it attractive but i did he could read the literally read like the phone book or something and i would be like oh like <laughs> swoon like i would just yeah I- yeah this is like with will before we're like did crockett did you need somebody to go to drinks with you before the gala like i i volunteer yeah. as tribute hi I'm free. Over I'll here. do it. Me? I'll do it. Yeah. Can tell me all about a Sazerac. I watched that episode, but I'll listen to you talk about it again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they go to do another surgery on the guy who's next on the list. Um, and 
Crockett hasn't like, but yeah, Crockett had no idea because Crockett had no idea they were going to the list because Dr. Blake benched him, which I'm pretty sure violates like 15 different HR rules, right? In what way? You can't bench somebody based on your like extracurricular relationship with them. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, and there isn't even a a relationship. She's benching him because she felt uncomfortable about him asking her out because she wanted to say yes, but she ended up saying no for reasons she doesn't. It's it's weird. Well, and then she plays it off. So that's maybe her deep down reason. But then she plays it off as like, oh, you stood up for me, but I'm a feminist and I can stand up for myself and, you know, I can buy my own, I can fight my own. She says, she's like, I can fight my own battles and I can buy my own drinks. And I was like, okay, he didn't do anything wrong. I don't, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing if she was like, I'm uncomfortable, I'm setting a boundary. That's one thing. But if she's just like, like this, where she's just like, oh, but I like him too. But like, oh no, what do I do? Like that- Come on, come on. Uh, but it works out for Crockett because they all get in the OR and they all pass out. Yep, yep. yep. Now we've all seen Grey's Anatomy, right? The minute this happened, I was like, the guy's septic, like slam dunk, done, solve the mystery, we're good. That's that, I've seen that episode, whatever. Uh, so we go to commercial, we come back and Cap and Tony are in the hallway. Like, hey, hey guys, love a good crossover. And Cap is over here suspecting sarin gas. And I'm like, Cap, calm down, dude. The guy's septic. Like, it's that simple. Like, only Cap would suspect sarin gas, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then one of the police officers outside of the ED, he puts on a mask and he collapses. So then Crockett, like, turns into a detective in, like, 0.2 seconds, and he's like, it's the masks. And before anybody can say anything, he charges into the ED, like, charges in, and he's like, this is what's going on. And he scoops up Dr. Blake and runs out, like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I, I could work with this. If Severide and Crockett wanted to go work for intelligence one day, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> be cool with it. It'd be cool. What did you guys think at this point? I mean, I kind of figured it it wasn't going to be. Yeah, go ahead, Lizzie. No, it just, it was a little much. Like they wanted a reason for him to scoop her up in his arms and carry her. And like, and it's just, I mean, I don't know. The scene made me worry. Because I was like, they're not going to kill. Like, again, we're just existing in a world where she's Donna Paulson. Like, <laughs> if I don't like her storyline with Crockett, I'm like, they're not going to kill Sierra, right? You do not bring her in to kill her like this. So she's not dead. But then the he did the thing so quickly where he figured it out and he ran in there. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. It just, it lost, oh, oh, I it lost me. Well, the pairing doesn't has never ever had me but it lost me completely there the, the story honestly I was so focused on the fact that it was Cap and Tony I was like wait a second where's Severide and Cruz like why are you two the one running point I mean it was a nice change and obviously I get it, it was probably for filming reasons I get that but I was just so focused on the fact that it was Cap and Tony like running point I was like this is a nice change like I'm not complaining about this like this is kind of fun yeah yeah it's always funny how they get cap on the other shows the minute cap is on any of the other shows he's like a full-on like squad member like grown up but on fire he's just like a giant child (laughs) like 
<laughs> just funny. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a little extra, but also I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Like, nah, I wasn't too mad. Because it's crocking. I mean, yeah. yes, quite literally, yes. So Will suspects opioids once they get like the gist of what's going on. I did laugh at that scene when Stevie and Will are watching like the c-section go down and stevie gets like some sort of email or some sort of page or whatever and she's just like disaster in the or and i'm like <laughs> like that's what she got that should really be titled um i got a good laugh out of that but yeah so will suspects opioids and so crockett's like grab the narcan like that's simple and dr blake is awake solve the problem william to the rescue will solve that problem just gonna point that out uh but yeah. i will say i mean Crockett does the charm voice and all that stuff. And it's just like, he's just like, I got you. I got you. And I'm sorry, but like, Lizzie, let me ask you this question. Okay. Something happens and you wake up at med. Who's the first face you want to see? There's no wrong um, answer. I mean, there's no wrong answer. I mean, it's just probably Crockett. I mean, that is, I mean, you say there's no wrong answer, Gina, but there is a right answer. And the right, right answer, answer is Crockett. I mean, and if he's saying what he was saying, like he's saying it in that voice, like I mean, I, I get why Doctor Blake is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't get is why he is like, I just dated the daughter. Now I'm gonna date the mother, and I'm not gonna tell either of them that this is going on. Like the only person in this I don't understand is him because they don't know. Um, yeah. Pamela doesn't know. Avery doesn't know. Like. Okay, but why are you acting like this? I mean, I know you're pretty, but like, are you, why are you pulling a well? That's what I want to know. Like, because Will is not pulling a well, you have to pull a well? Like, they had a good talk in like the first episode and then you absorb some willpowers? What is going on? (laughs) I have a question. What is Crockett's worst choice since he joined Med? Being the like second fiddle and breaking up April and Ethan that one time, or his decision now to date both a mom and a daughter? Ooh, oh, this is such a good question. Oh, what was his worst choice? What was his worst choice? Um, I kind of want to go with the April and Ethan decision, and I don't really have a reason for it other than like I kind of enjoyed that he was trying to fuck shit up. But at least he was honest about what he was do- like. He was trying to fuck shit up. <laughs> this time, it it seems like he's being honest. Like he's pretending, at least to himself or to us, that he's being honest in his feelings. If he were just like, "Well, I want to fuck shit up," I'd be like, "Okay, fine, that's your mood." But why are you like, oh, making eyes at at Avery? And then it's not even like like he he wasn't really interested in Avery before. He played it off as he was really into Avery and now he's really into the mom. And he's like, at no point has he stopped and being like, this is weird. What are they going to think? No. It's like, is it, is it a man thing? Like, are they not like really engaging the upper break? I don't get it. Well, and it's not even like you said, okay, in 2019, I dated Avery and then now it's 2022 and I'm dating the mom like it's not like you even said there's years in between or months in between like it was literally like three weeks ago (laughs) and now we're here I definitely agree I think this is the worst choice 
and because of all of this but also i think it hurts more because i'm more attached to crockett now like back when he the april and ethan thing like i didn't i kind of thought crockett was an asshole and i never thought i was gonna like him and now i love crockett he's my favorite and i just i don't like his bad decisions so i think this one hurts a little bit more yeah i i can see that but okay for the record for the record i want to defend him a little bit here he hasn't done anything with Avery. He went out for drinks with Avery. They have not kissed. They have not anything. So that we like, know of. That, that we know of. That we know of. Yes. Yeah. But for the record, I just want to make sure we're clear there. Um, but yeah, I mean that him telling Dr. Blake, he's like, I got you. I'm like, yeah, that cements it. Like anything happens to me in Chicago. He, I, I want him to be the first face that I see. Not even Will. Not even Will. The only way I want to see Will is if Crockett's busy. But <laughs> that's it. So, I mean, they can both come. Like both imagine of them both of them would be great. I'd be cool with that. I'd be cool with that too. That'd be cool. Yeah. So then we see Kim as if we weren't like hashtag blessed enough. We got Tony and, and Tony and Cap, and now we got Kim. Like, ain't no party like one Chicago party. Um, first off, I keep forgetting to say it when we discuss PD week after week. Her hair is getting longer and longer, and it looks incredible. Like I keep forgetting to say it every week when we discuss med or PD, but like her hair looks amazing. Amazing. But also like it's Marina. She can do no wrong. Uh, So they're talking about what's going on and the transplant patient is still stable. So Crockett moves him to another OR for surgery. But Dr. Shentu is like, I'm going to go be annoying about that, whatever. Um, And then we get this beautiful exchange. Oh, by the way, Henry Abbott remains a stable condition. Had to move to another OR for surgery, okay? No, we can't risk doing a transplant. If that goes south with a criminal investigation still underway, the hospital could be held negligent. And what about Henry Abbott? Well, when he wakes up, he'll go right back to the top of the transplant list. Oh, not that he hasn't been waiting on that list for months already. Plus, that liver's got, what, about four hours till it's no longer usable? So by all means, you tell me. You have my approval to move forward with the transplant as long as you can assemble a team that can safely assist you. I'm sorry to do this, I really am, but with Dr. Blake's team down, you're one nurse short. No, we aren't. You didn't count me. I spent more than a few years working as an OR nurse. I will circulate for you, Dr. Marcel. Yeah? Absolutely. Uh... Ms. Goodwin, I don't recommend this. The clock is ticking. Goodwin! Oh, shit! Yeah, I honestly sometimes forget that she is an OR nurse, and then, or was an OR nurse, you know, at one point. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then this was amazing. I'm, I love that she pulled this out of her ass. I was like, this is amazing. This it was yeah she had me cheering out loud like again this was a moment where i was like mm, maybe am i switching my allegiances from Bowden? is it a thing that's happening how uh but then i saw Bowden. like that's a thing that happens when you're just watching one show and then the other one comes and you're like oh i forgot about the person i love 20 minutes ago <laughs> yeah this yeah. this is the thing like med and fire what they did this week was genius because it just kept getting better and better to the point that it's like halfway through the episode you're like oh and then 10 minutes later you're like oh oh like that is pretty much what kept happening through med and fire last or on wednesday night it was fantastic fantastic so goodwin scrubs in with crockett like the boss bitch that she is <sighs> it's fantastic 
It's fantastic. Yeah. So the patient's BP starts to go down and the nurse like can't get a vein. And so Goodwin's like, let, let me in, like, let me just handle this. And she handles it and it's amazing. Fantastic. She's a boss. She's such a boss. Oh my God. Like it, it kind of makes me want to take back every like mean thing I've said about her in seasons one through six, but it also kind of doesn't. Cause like, you know, you know, um, but it turns out that the masks were poisoned by the first patient's son, the one who got up in Dr. Blake's face. He poisoned the masks with like carfentanil, which if I remember correctly, carfentanil is more potent than regular fentanyl. And it only takes like, like a pinhead to be like lethal, if I remember correctly. But like- I think so, but I don't remember. What? I have so many questions. Like, I have so many questions. Like, okay, A, like- how did he sprinkle just enough to the point that it wasn't lethal? And B, what good does that do? It doesn't get your mom the liver. It just gets you a felony charge for attempted murder. Like, yep. I have so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. But I'm pretty sure carfentanil takes like, like the teeniest, most infinite amount to be like totally killer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What did you guys think of this? That the son was the one who sprinkled fentanyl on the mask. I mean, it didn't surprise me that he was behind it. I to say that it was carfentanil and that whole part, I didn't see that part coming. But like, it didn't surprise me that it was him because, like, why would we have had that whole setup in the beginning? If like, what was the point of that? If you know, it wasn't him. Like, it kind of you know. But I didn't see the carfentanil part coming. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it just, I, it was obvious, I think. Yeah. He was the only suspect. It wasn't like in a, in a cup show where you're like, well, the first suspect, the second suspect, we had one suspect. <laughs> um, the, 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 the thing is, well, I mean, I guess some of these shows do these things where you're supposed to believe like, well, sometimes people make no sense, but I, I hate when the show sort of relies on sometimes people make no sense because this just like Jenna said, it makes no sense. So <laughs> I was like, okay. This, I, when, when the storylines don't make sense, I'm sort of like shut down. I was like, okay, the storyline makes no sense. No more thinking about it because it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Crockett goes to check on Dr. Blake in the ED and we are hashtag blessed in the scene because like we get the charm voice. Just, just, just listen. Hey. Hi. How are you feeling? Lousy. Yeah, I'm sure. I hear you've been busy. Well, I had big shoes to fill. Come in. Give me company. Sure. I never should have benched you today. But it turns out it was a good thing I did. Water under the bridge. I hear they're going to discharge me soon. Pretty sure I'm not going to make it to that gala, though. (laughs) Yeah, I'll probably skip it myself. Hmm. Well, in that case, could I ask you to take me home? Absolutely. Thank you. The charm voice just kills me. 
It kills me, but I don't like the fact that he's now taking Blake home. That is, I was like, oh, oh. yeah. Also, is there is there taking you home or taking me home? Like, I just, <laughs> like there could be a few ways to interpret what happens when you get home. Like, did I drop you off? I somehow doubt it. Um, because he wanted to take her out for drinks earlier, and now this is her basically saying yes. Yeah, honestly, it like... wouldn't surprise me if uh, seven thirteen picks up with like their morning after. Honestly, no. would not surprise me at all. I wouldn't like it, but it would not surprise me. Okay, this is like this is like the episode right before COVID when Maggie got married and April was hospitalized that day for like over hyperactive ovarian something or other syndrome, and she was still at the wedding, like. Woman just had a brush with death, okay? She had, like, opioid toxicity. Surely she's not going to want to bang her brains out that night. But she also had a brush with death, so why wouldn't she want to bang her brains out that night? (laughs) Reaction to the stress of the day, sex. Yeah, that's what I was saying. (laughs) I mean, I can't blame the woman. I don't like the relationship, but I can't blame the woman. So, I mean... You got the, you got, yeah, you got the whole charm package right in front of you. Why not? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I, I really hope that it doesn't result in the morning after, but if it does, can't blame her. Yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't, it's going that way. I mean, unless are we supposed to assume he's going to do the smart thing and just talk to her about it, about Avery? I don't think so because it's been a lot of drama. So we might as well just get the morning after and get it done with. <laughs> Rip yeah. the bandaid off. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. So Jess B said, you know what I'm not here for though? Crockett and Blake. Seriously, does anyone actually want them together? And then she said in parentheses, LMAO, literally before I could send this, someone in my one Chicago Discord server talked about loving them. I guess they have one fan. <laughs> Every time they show up on my screen trying to be all, or every time they show up on my screen trying to be all flirty, it's just ugh. And Blake benching Crockett just because he asked her out, defended her from that patient who literally tried to poison her later, came across as super immature and yet not here for it at all. Honestly, the best part of the storyline was Cap and Tony and Sharon scrubbing in because that was everything I didn't know I needed. Logistically, I have questions about how she still has a nurse's license, but I'll put that down to TV magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't want to gloss over Goodwin like scrubbing in as a nurse because that was freaking badass. It was very badass. Badass. I love love that. That was one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Megan R said, now I love Crockett to death. I really do. But he made me facepalm so hard this week. I'm not into the more than professional vibe that he and Dr. Blake kept going. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Grace have an episode where the doctors passed out? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. I mean, I think a lot of medical shows probably have at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But. It's just funny when Grey's Anatomy has done it, you think you've like seen it. And I mean, for sure. This one, I was like, it's a septic liver. Duh. And then I was like, it's a po- poison? Shit. Like once again, solidifying the fact that med is like the most unsafe hospital in Chicago. But like, if, if I have to go there, I want to see Crockett when I wake up. I mean, in Chicago, just because uh, the hospital from Grey's Anatomy it's not in Chicago like because that place is just especially if you're a doctor no one survives there for too long yeah. literally no one survives at Graceland Memorial <laughs> yeah no. I was like I was gonna say the name and I was like I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy in like 
six or seven seasons. Is it still called Graceland <laughs> Memorial? They've changed the name a few times on me. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but somehow I always know what's happening. I don't know how it's that is. Twitter. Yeah, I don't know how I, I somehow always know what's going on on that show. And I'm like, I don't even watch this. How do I know this? Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. And it got renewed for season 19. Just easy. It's, 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 it's time to, it's time. Just, yeah. 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 Anyway, Dylan, Bryna, take it away. Yes. Okay. We have just a little bit on Dylan. He didn't get a ton. We haven't, even though he's got like some stuff going on, we didn't get like a ton, a ton of Dylan time. So we kicked Dylan thing, Dylan's storyline off with him dropping by to check on Darius. And of course, Carmen and Terrell are also there and Terrell is pissed, of course, because he's always just going to be pissed. And Carmen's, like, trying to ease the situation. She thinks it's going to be better by saying, like, I asked him to stop by, but that really just, I think, makes everything worse. And Terrell's just like, yeah, you can get the fuck out. Yep. So later on, they're leaving the hospital, and Carmen comes to try to thank Dylan for everything that he's, you know, done, even though Terrell is not handling it well. And they kind of get into a little bit of their history. Like Dylan tries to say, you know, apologize for what he did in the past. He's like, I didn't do right by you either. But then Carmen just like pretty much bolts after that, like doesn't let him say another word. But I'm just like, what does that mean? Like, what does he mean? He didn't do right by you. Like if they're not together anymore, it's not it's not as simple as like I cheated on you when we were together. They're not together anymore. Like let bygones be bygones. Like why would you admit that now? It's something deeper. Oh, uh, because the oh, he's still got feelings for her because this is like I know there that's we just talked about Crockett and Dr. Blake, but this is the worst storyline on Chicago Met right there. Like I love Dylan, but what is this? What is this? Yeah. 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 I definitely kind of agree and it breaks my heart because like you said I do love Dylan and I was really excited when in whatever interview it was that Andy and Diane were like oh we may give Dylan a love interest I was like yes give me Dylan needs love too like give it to me and I'm not like I don't hate 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 this thing like I mean for med this is definitely not the worst thing they could have ever done but it's definitely like I just I don't care that much like if he ends up with Carmen I'm like okay you know but anyway yeah so maggie goes to check in with dylan about darius and of course that's not only maggie's motivation and she gets dylan to open up a little bit too hey everything okay with carmen yeah you just say now that's it i saw a look what look don't play with me dylan what's the deal uh Carmen and I used to go together back in the day, but it got a little messy. I was a young cop, you know, wearing that uniform. You get a lot of interest from the ladies. It wasn't my finest hour. So you cheated on her. Grown a lot since then. Yeah. And what about the look? The mags, it, it was nothing, I mean. So much has changed since then. She's with Terrell. They have a kid. Ancient history. <laughs> she's the best. She's she's, the best. she's literally like 
he said he says nothing and she's like yeah you think you're gonna pull that one on me come on come on i know i know it's it's literally might be my favorite thing maggie it's well maggie is the best but like literally this episode that line had me like i went back and looked for the scene just to see her be like like i don't I, i'm trying to remember the exact line but like it's something like you think like you think you can fool me like that and no. speak I love yeah. that. I love that. She's like, don't play with me, Dylan. Like, I think Maggie, Maggie's an Avenger in her own right. Like you've got Severide, then you've also got Maggie. She's got like the stealth power. Yeah. Maggie's amazing. Although I really, I mean, I get it. Like when, so Dylan obviously admits that like, you know, he cheated on Carmen back in the day, but like, I'm such a Dylan stan that like, I didn't want to believe what was coming out of his mouth. I was like, this man cheated on a woman once. Like, no, I, it was like, I mean, I get it. Like he was obviously a different person back then, but just like now the Dylan, it's hard for me to imagine like Dylan back then not doing the right thing. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't believe it. I mean, he even tells Maggie, like I was a different person back then. Yeah, no, I know. And, but it's just like, oh no, that is Mm -hmm. not, no. Yeah, no. Um, but so Carmen and Darius though, don't make it that far. He comes back in, his breathing's worse. Turns out it's pneumonia. Um, but of course, Carmen goes to talk to Dylan outside in the lobby and it's like right as Terrell walks in and Terrell does not take it well at all. He has the and, worst timing. Yeah. And like he pushes Dylan, he knocks a cart over. Um, he ends up kind of getting escorted away from by security just to kind of like relieve the situation. But like, that's where we leave things off. And it's just like, they're all three clearly not in a good place right now okay where are we going with this so do you think darius is darius is not dylan's son there's no way you know it kind of seemed like that in the beginning and i was like no they're not going there and then it didn't seem like they're going there i honestly don't know where they're going with this i think that would be a little too soap opera y mm-hmm. I mean and I get it med is like you know essentially a soap opera at night like I get it but like it, it would just seem a little too much if that was where they decided to go and then they end up having what so then Dylan or Darius is Dylan's son and he and Carmen and Dylan or and Darius are like one big family like that just seems weird too yeah yeah Lizzie what do you think I I, I kind of hope they drop it so I'm like, I just, <laughs> I just don't see a way that this is a good storyline for Dylan, who I enjoyed very much uh, in the first few episodes. Like, this is not, I don't, I don't see, other than what uh, we brought up, that it could be that they're going to go soap opera with this and have Darius end up being Dylan's son, or like at least him ending up with Carmen. Uh, I mean, Terrell doesn't exactly seem like the type of guy I'd want to be married to. Mm-hmm. putting that out there i mean it's just even if you don't end up with dylan maybe you should reconsider that that relationship um this is a good storyline for um dylan and like even if you somehow put him together with carmen what does she bring to the show like how you how can you have storylines with her that sort of unless you have the kid sick all the time well i mean he's got cancer but like it it just feels like a heavy storyline um and i think it might not even be that there is sense of being his kid it's just um if he starts dating carmen um that's still her kid and then that that could be drama and he is good with kids it's just not the type of drama i think adds anything to the character of dylan 
So yeah. I'm just like, whatever way this is going, I don't like it. I'm curious. I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm reserving judgment. Where are we taking this? What are we doing? I think for me, I'd like said, I don't hate, like, I don't think this is the worst thing they've ever done, but they already had Dylan set up as this, such this like complex character coming from the fact that like he did, you know, he was a police officer and then he switched and went into medicine. And like every time they've kind of taken Dylan into like the PD side of things and like with his sister and his dad and all of that stuff. I've really enjoyed that. I wish they had like gone more into that. Like, you know, he mentioned knowing Jay, like, why can't we get a storyline with that? Like, you know, we've seen him with Kevin, like we could get a storyline with like, there's just so many ways on the PD side of things that they already had kind of set up that I wish they would explore more that like, this is just not as interesting compared to that for me personally. Mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah i don't know See. where we're going with this but i guess we will find out <laughs> um and so jess said actually this might be just be the episodes of episode of storylines that kind of confused me because once again i was kind of confused by dylan i liked his storyline last week with carmen terrell and darius and was glad to see it continue this week but there is got to be more than going on than what we know right now right i'm m- making Maybe I stand him too hard, but Dylan does not strike me as the type to cheat on Carmen, even if he was young and dumb at the time. And it feels like Terrell's grudge against Dylan goes way beyond him being arrested, what, like 12 years ago? Yes. I don't know. It feels like him. It feels like we found out stuff about them. It, it's still to the surface of their dynamic has barely been scratched. I am intrigued, though. That's a that's a good point that I think there's more than meets the eye with with Terrell and Dylan. Like they, the way Terrell keeps reacting to Dylan, it's more than that. It, it's got to be more than that. Yeah. And it's yeah. Carmen related, the way he keeps reacting. It's not just to Dylan in general, it's more when Carmen is around. So, I mean, maybe he does, maybe Darius is Dylan's kid, and maybe he knows it. Maybe he's always known it. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it still. Yeah, but then, like, wh- then there's the question of, like, if Darius is Dylan's kid, why is why is he like why does he know this and like allow this to be under the whole guise of Terrell raising him there's there's a lot of questions yeah a lot of questions I mean and and it may not even be that like I'm sure the med writers are just like that's ridiculous that's not how this goes at all but that's like the only I don't know it's the only conclusion I like I'm like okay well that's like the only far-fetched thing I can find as like a way out of this Right. Especially because they're continuing to make this an arc. Like if they had just given us last week's episode as like a one-off. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Whatever. Like, yeah, they both have, they all have some history from when they were kids, you know, it didn't end up great, you know, whatever. But like, they're clearly making this an arc for this back half of the season. And so it's got to go somewhere. There's got to be more there. I just don't know what that is yet. Right. So. Right. So any other notes about med? No. Even though it's an episode that wasn't my favorite, it's still not bad for med stand. You know, like, it's still a good episode by comparison. So, like, not bad, but not my favorite of the season either. It's a lot going on. A lot going on. Yeah. 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 All right. It's fire time. This was hands down the best episode of season 10. I said what I said. I said what I said. What do you guys think? I, yeah, I tweeted the same thing last night, like, literally word for word. So, yes, I agree. 100%. 100%. Lizzie? Yeah, I agree too. Uh, I think we got some strong episodes to start the season off. 
and then we had whatever that was and uh I just I think I think part of of why this feels like such a good episode is that we did not see it coming we were still worried like it was a really good episode but also it was a surprisingly good episode considering the writing for the last few episodes so every minute that kept I was like, is this happening? Is this the episode I'm getting now? What? Yeah. yeah. So, yes. And I love Stella Kid is my favorite character on Fire. I love her. Maybe so my favorite character in One Chicago. So, I love her so much. Just yeah. like, yes. I know I say Violet for president, but also like Stella for president. Both yeah. of them. Just, yeah. This episode was fantastic. And this was just like Med, how like, you just got it got better and better you're like oh 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 like yeah it was just like that like it was yeah. just so good it was just like the gift that kept on giving okay so let's start this episode with Herman and you know we're starting with Herman because they had the first scene so the episode kicks off with a morning with the Herman family oh my god hashtag blessed we haven't seen them in so long when did they get so old that's the first thing that was on my mind they're like on grown-ups now it's ridiculous like annabelle is like a grown woman lee henry is lee henry luke is grown up now like what is happening well you know and the one that like herman plays with with like the book on his head that is severide's godchild who was born at the end of season one so and now he's like an old uh, you know like a eight probably eight or nine now and it's just like what the fuck where did y'all just let's just put this in perspective now like not just one but two of the herman kids drive now two of the herman kids (laughs) two of the five we are old tell me you're old without telling me you're old two of the herman kids can drive yeah we're old we're old (laughs) oh my god that's how i felt literally i felt old yeah so luke and lee henry are fighting and like as much as we're just like, oh, don't fight. It's also kind of funny because like Luke is absolutely roasting Lee Henry and like they're completely valid points. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're completely grown up now. It's wild. So there's also a really sweet scene with Kenny where like Herman goes over to him and he's like, you're not allowed to grow up. I'm going to put this book on your head to keep you from growing any bigger. Adorable. Herman's such a dad. Love it. So CFD has engine lieutenants training at the academy like the entire day. So that's where Herman's going to be. So Herman goes to the academy. It's that hallway we've seen many a time before. And he sees this guy like sitting under the badge wall, just reading a book. And so he's like, all right, that's odd. But he goes into his training and he's just like, whatever. So he comes back out and the guy is still there reading. And so Herman decides to go talk to this guy. So he, he's not a firefighter, but his brother was, and his brother passed in a fire in like 2015. So he comes to visit, the brother comes to visit once or twice just to like spend a day with his brother. And he reads these like horror books that his brother used to love. And he just comes and spends time with him and the badge. And it's kind of his way of like connecting to his brother in his absence. Oh, my heart. Okay. Here's my question for you guys. Has Severide ever done this with Shay? Oh, (laughs) why? (laughs) I'm gonna say no, only for the fact that I feel like Severide is not that kind of person. Like, 
he has the videos that I'm sure he still watches from time to time, but Severi to me just doesn't seem like that kind of person. Not obviously, of course, that he doesn't care about Shay because he does, but like Severi does it in like little ways, right? Like he rescued the Ambo door. He watches those like contract videos that they made. Like, I don't think he goes and sits at the Academy to like spend time with Shay. Um, I could, I could have seen him doing it like right after she died when it was still pretty fresh. Cause like he had no idea what to do with himself. So I could see him just like pacing the halls of the Academy um, by her badge. I need that one shot now, by the way, fanfic writers out there, like somebody needs to write me that one shot. Um, but yeah, I, I could see it happening in the early days. Now what about Cruz and Otis? Do you think Cruz has ever done that? <laughs> Are you trying to kill us? Yes. I mean, I could oh. see it more from Cruz than I could see it from Severide. Yeah, um, I but- agree. But I, I guess everyone has their own little thing that they would do. Probably not exactly this. That meant something yeah. to this person. Um, but yeah, just those are unfair questions. Why you bring up Shay? <laughs> like just bringing up Shay, it feels like a personal attack. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, Otis and just like, why? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh yeah but that was definitely the first thing I thought of I was like oh my god like he comes to spend time with the badge that's so sweet and then I was like does Sever I do that does like Cruz do that I wonder um but uh, yeah so Herman and this guy have a great conversation and the, the the brother's just like you know how time goes by when you think you have all of it in the world and he just says he's like it was like that the last thing on my mind was that I'd never see my brother again which like, you know, that had to be the last thing on Severide's mind because like he oh, and she just had a fight and matched it up. I just, stop. You know. Okay, fine. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And so he says like when he comes and reads by his brother's badge, it feels like they're sitting together, which like my heart, my heart. So then Herman gets home from training and Luke and Lee Henry are fighting again. And it's like, again, it's kind of funny. Luke just straight up calls Lee Henry an asswipe. Like, oh my God. Wow. Okay. So then Herman, Herman does a Herman. He, he kind of outbursts a little bit and uh, Cindy overhears them yelling and he, Herman feels really bad. Herman's like, am I just like the worst dad ever? Which like, no, Herman, you're not the worst dad ever. Stop it. You're fine. So then Herman and Cindy are getting ready for the gala and Luke and Lee Henry, they come and apologize. Sweet. They want to meet this guy at the Academy. And so Cindy's like, let's just skip the gala and like go meet him. And so it ends with Herman and Cindy just watching on as Luke and Lee Henry talk to this guy about his brother. It's really sweet. Um, And yeah, they just kind of have their moment in the Academy. I thought it was, it's a sweet story. It's sweet. I feel like it kind of got overshadowed by everything else going on. So like, I did not care about this nearly as much as I did everything else going on. But like, yeah, super sweet storyline. I just wish maybe it had been in a different episode where they could have devoted a little more time to it so that I could fully enjoy it. But like, it was sweet what we got, but I just, you know, kind of overlooked it. Lizzie, what do you think? I did not. I, I was, I think a tear might have escaped me or something. I was emotional. Um, I don't know. I, I only have one sister. This guy felt to me like he only had one brother and like th- there was a vibe there. And I was like, I, I would do something like this. So I was, the storyline hit me hard. Like the, the episode, the entire episode was just coming for me. 
Yeah. Okay. But let, let me ask you guys this. Cause like, I'm, I'm an only, I have an older half sister, but like the age gap is such between us that like, we don't really have that bond, but like, how realistic is this? That like two siblings who are like 21 and like 18 are going to be like, no, we love each other. We should go talk to this guy. I mean, at 21 and 18, it is more realistic than at 12 and 15. Yeah. If they've been 12 and 15, no. The, when you get to your 20s, like you got like, as someone with my sister is just around four, it's a four year difference. At that age, we found, it wasn't all the time, but we found mo- moments to like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but like 12, 15, that gap, there was no time when we liked each other probably. So I can see it actually. Yeah. I was going to say, I could definitely see it too. I mean, my brother and I, we're 14 months apart, so we're very close, but I think as we got older, I'd say it was like probably like late high school when we became, I'd say like we stopped fighting as much and became actually like friends. Um, and so, yeah, like at definitely 18 and 20, like by the time you're in your twenties, I feel like it's just a completely different, or at least in my regard, like my relationship with my brother completely changed um in birth better and so yeah I definitely feel like this would have been realistic okay yeah my sister and I have 13 years between us so it like it, that's just like it, it's like a mile in, in terms of an age gap so you know she's always been pretty much an adult when I was a teenager and all that stuff so yeah okay okay that that sheds some light on it that's good so yeah Cool. Um, yeah. So Jess B said, I really loved Herman's storyline with the guy at the Academy and his two sons. And she said, I'm always here for the Herman family feels, but it felt a tiny bit out of place in this episode. Pretty much the entire episode revolved around Pelham or the gala or both. And then you kind of had Herman off to the side doing his own thing. So he felt a bit disconnected when everybody else was super connected. Okay. But I love, I love any opportunity to see the Herman family, like any, I love it. I love them. I stand Cindy Herman. I love her so much. I like yeah. that. We always need more Cindy Herman. And always world. need always. more. Yep. 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 Love it. Always. I still can't get over the fact that like those kids are like full on adults now. Like Annabelle <laughs> is like a grown woman. Yeah. What? What? Oh my God. Crazy. Let's stop talking about it because I just feel old. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. So then we move over into the whole the Stellaride Pelham Bowden stuff. And this is just a masterpiece. Masterpiece. Brenda, take it away. Okay. So episode kicks off for Stellaride. And Stella is talking to Stellaride in the locker room. And she mentions, you know, that it kind of feels strange stepping in the lieutenant role for a shift, especially just given everything that happens with Pelham. And then we get the first great moment of the night and Severide, you know, she's like, well, maybe you could do that thing that always helps me. And Severide's like, well, I don't know about that. And she's like, no, but that other thing, (laughs) the praise. And he's like, he gives her a, you got this Stella kid. And it, of course, obviously helps her calm her nerves. And I was just like, oh my God, I needed, I needed that. I'm not even the Stella kid and I needed this. I, I really want to ask Derek in the spring when he comes on, if he ever expected you got this Stella kid to become such a thing. Probably not, but I, uh, right? I don't care because I, I love no. it so much. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. I, I like said, but I also, didn't know what I needed of, this. What kind of things are they normally doing? Like, I know what the reference was, but like, are they normally have? So all over the firehouse that this is a thing that it could be 
confused for something else? Like, what <laughs> are we missing? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they've had sex at the firehouse. We, we've discussed how they, they've definitely had sex at Molly's. Well, um, we saw them have sex at Molly's. We did see them have sex. That's got to be so uncomfortable. Like, my back hurts for Stella. <laughs> you don't think they've right. had sex in the firehouse? I'm sure they have. Where on earth right. in the firehouse is safe? Severide has his own office with blinds. <laughs> But they can still hear you in the bunk room. I, I'm just saying. I don't know. It's not completely safe in there, in my opinion. But hey, Stellaride, they're, they're a different couple than, you know, others. So I don't know. That just, it seemed, I'm trying to think of anywhere in that, in that firehouse that might be like a safe place. But no. Maybe the closet where Severide made out with What's-Her-Face in season one. The turnout room. The turnout room. <laughs> yeah i'm sure someone's had sex in there too oh yeah definitely definitely yeah. i also love that we've pretty much mapped out firehouse 51 and we're just like so where are all the places you could and couldn't have sex and who do you think has probably had sex there <laughs> just casual yeah so Bowden brings in pelham and pelham's just pretty much at this point like giving up all hope but Bowden's like no i'm gonna do everything i can for you and he's like, I'm not going to let this go until you get a fair shake. And Pelham's just like, no, like, I appreciate that. But like, you don't want to get dragged down with me. Like, he's like, this isn't your fight. And Bowden's just like, the hell it isn't. And I'm just like, in this moment, I was just like, look up leader in the dictionary and you will find a picture of Wallace Bowden. Yes. Like, this is what Bowden does. And I loved every second of it. You know, the magic of this whole story is the it, it's so old school in the way that they all rally for each other. This is like early season, like you're not coming for our family. We protect our own. Like the way they rally for him is just mwah, chef's kiss. Like it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so we get our first call where Stella is acting lieutenant. So 81, squad three, 61, they get called to this local mall where people are caught in an escalator, which is honestly like my worst nightmare. Mine too. I, like I, I couldn't even watch. No, no way. And it's I, not even like my worst nightmare. Like every time I get on an escalator, I'm like, okay, don't trip, don't fall, don't break your knee, whatever. But like, I didn't even think about the fact that you could get like trapped in the escalator like that lady at the top i was like nah, -uh, no way i did not need to see that nope nope i nope. always worry about wearing sneakers when i'm yep. going in them i was like what if my sneaker gets like that's no so i couldn't even like when they were pulling them out i was like yeah i'm gonna look the other way there's nothing yeah. plot related <laughs> that important is happening I saw this a lot on Twitter. A lot of people were like, this is my worst nightmare. Like when I was a teenager, like a wee little teenager in like sixth grade, I know I had issues going down because like balance and stuff, but like, it doesn't freak me out now. If I were to get freaked out at all going down an escalator, it would probably be if I'm wearing heels because like, there's just a lot of logistics. I don't think I'd be too freaked out. Otherwise I was kind of surprised. I was like, people are freaked out about this. I'm not that freaked out. No, I literally think about the fact, like, I'm like, okay, st make sure you step correctly so that if I'm wearing sneakers, like you said, Lizzie, like your shoelaces don't get caught in the thing. Like, I think about that, like, every time I get on a damn escalator. Oh, man. I will say, though, it is very stressful when you're at the airport and you've got your suitcase with you. That is when escalators are fucking stressful. <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah. True. But... Stella handles it like a fucking boss. Like, I mean, we didn't have any doubts that she would, but 
it's still awesome to see her handle it like a fucking boss. And like, I love the fact that Bowden is just like overlooking from like the top floor and like looking on like a proud papa. I loved every second of it. It was great. It was so great. That's so good. And then at the end, how Stella's just like apologizes to Severus. She's like, I hope I wasn't too pushy. And he's like, no, it's fun taking orders from you. And I was just like, hell yeah. I love, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it so much. And it, it was interesting too, how like Stella, Stella's really similar to Seth and that it came to her naturally. She just had it in her and like, didn't even have to think. Yeah. Like any nerves she thought she had just like went away as soon as she steps on the scene. And it's just, it's so good. So good. So they get back from the call and Stella sees Pelham packing his bag and she goes to talk to him. Any update on your status? No change. Yeah. Hey, I heard the guy's coming in. That sounds like you kicked ass out there. Thanks, Pelham. Hey, and just so you know, I am not gunning for your spot. It's rightfully yours. I don't know about that. You know, when I was interim here, I heard the way everyone at 51 talked about you. Respected you. It was intimidating, knowing how much they wanted you back here so you could take over on truck. Look, forget what led to the spot opening up again. You have already more than earned the right to fill it. I thought this scene was really sweet. I I really like this scene a lot. Um, I'm really enjoying the dynamic between these two. I mean, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm not... No, I've just, I haven't, Pelham has been a perfect guy. It's just, he's felt to me so replete, like he was not going to last. So he was one of those characters that I was like, yeah, don't get attached here, Lissy. Um, and also Brett Dalton without his beard just does not have, does not hit the same way for me. <laughs> so it's just, there's the lack of the beard. And then the fact that I always thought he's not going to last, don't even try to get attached. Um, but then this moment happened and I was like, oh, I got a little feeling here. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, part of the, like, I've always kind of been like iffy on, you know, Pelham that like, am I supposed to root for him? Am I not supposed to root for him? Like, how do I feel? But I think I really needed this moment specifically, especially for Stella, who has kind of been feeling like the audience has, like, she's not really sure how she feels about him. I needed this moment to see like Stella likes him and Stella is going to root for him and Stella's going to stand up for him and have his back. I think for me to be like, no, it's okay to like, like him and to, you know, whether he stays or not long-term, we'll get to there in a second. I don't really know what to think anymore, but I needed this moment to be like, no, okay. Stella, Stella's okay with it. Then like, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I'm really digging how they're interacting. There's no like hostility, no competition, nothing. Side note, I also just Googled Brett Dalton with the beard and oh, oh, I don't, I do not hate this. He, really? You know who he oh, looks yeah. like? Uh, Lizzie, have you seen Mythic Quest? Yes. He looks like Rob McElhaney. He does. I'm not complaining, like one bit, I'm not at all. He also looks so a lot like Casey Diedrich too in that photo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When um, I, when I, yeah. I heard he was joining, I hope I thought, Ooh, I hope they bring the beard. And when I saw him the first episode, I was like, I'm so disappointed. I am <laughs> so disappointed in this decision. And I'm still disappointed. 
I'm very, I'm, I'm along the same lines as you with Sarah Rafferty with this one, Lizzie, because like, I know with Sarah Rafferty, we're like, it's, I mean, Dr. Blake sucks, but like it's Sarah freaking Rafferty. I am partial to Brett Dalton because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So like, even though his right. character turned out to be like horrible, I'm just like, but I like seeing you on my show. Like you're familiar. Come, come play, come play in my favorite universe. Like I'm cool with it. So I'm a little biased, admittedly. That's fair. Um. So Bowden goes to see DC Hill and like tries to change her mind, repel him. And he's like, no, I, you know, I, you know, Pelham, whatever, you're not gonna change your mind, fine. But like, you should probably also look into Kilborn. And she like turns that idea down too. She's like, it's over for Pelham. Like, we're done. This is it. So Bowden, of course, is feeling like a little defeated. He goes back to his office and has like one of those meeting of the minds with Stella and Severide. And Stella's like, well, hey, maybe we should try going through Captain Strat Stafford and see if like he'll help him, you know, he'll help them clear Pelham's name. And then, of course, Kiltborn and some like other CFD higher ups like visit for what is supposed to be like a routine inspection. But it's like clearly so obvious that Kilborn's just trying to do this to like assert some dominance over Bowden. Um, and he even gets like a little creepy. Like they leave and Kilborn pulls Stella aside and he's like, Oh, I've heard nothing but great things about you, which like is amazing, obviously, of course, because Stella's a badass and who isn't talking good things about her. But just the way he does it, it's just like, this is weird. This is a little, a little creepy. Didn't he say something like, I've had my eye on you or something? Like it's total creeper stuff. It's just, yep. It's, and it's Kilborn. Like anything that comes out of mouth, I'm just like, no. He can, he can be spitting. I mean, he's spitting the truth here. Stella is amazing, but like, eh, no, 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 no. It's so funny how like we're at this point now where we're just like, you know, we trust our faves like wholeheartedly. So if Bowden says something is up with you, I don't care if you're the nicest person in the world. I don't trust you because Bowden said something's up. So I yeah. trust him. Well, and that's what I'm saying with the Pelham situation. Like I needed to hear, I mean, like Severi, you know, everyone else had been talking good about Pelham, but like something about hearing it from Stella who had not trusted him for a while. And then now that the fact that she's okay with him, like hearing it from her, I was like, okay, I'm good. Like mm -hmm. I trust, like I'm good. Yeah. Um, but so once Kilborn leaves, like Bowden mentions to Severide and Stella that like he missed a call from Stafford and Severide's like, well, you better go call him back. Cause like he is our last hope. So Bowden goes to meet with Stafford and ultimately convinces him to like help them get Pelham his job back. And he's, you know, and Stafford at first, is like, you know, it's kind of a big ass and Bowden's like, I know, but you kind of owe Pelham a big favor. So we get Stellaride in Severide's office talking about, you know, how much she's enjoying her shift as Lieutenant. And, you know, she mentions that Pelham was so supportive of her and that like he, it turned out to be a great guy and she says you know she's like i can't help but think about the fact that you've always been at my side you know i've had Bowden pulling for me in fact like everyone at 51 and she's like pelham's you know been making his way solo for the last few years like nobody does that for him and like not even if he deserved it yeah yeah sucks so we get squad three and 61 get called to this house where a guy's got his wedding ring like caught on the back of his truck bed and but he's like so hesitant for them to like cut it off he's like it's a symbol of the last 30 years and me being the luckiest guy in chicago and you get severide's face in this moment and i was like that's it i know it's coming i was like i got it I, yeah I, obvious yeah 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 and, like, um, just the growth yeah yeah 
But also, let them cut your ring off, dude. It's well, your ring or your finger. Yeah, and so they end up cutting the ring off and, like, get the guy free. And, like, turns out his wife is actually kind of the worst. They're like, okay, we're going to take him to the hospital. Like, you can fall, you can ride with us. And she's like, no, no, no. I got to go respond to an email for my niece and, like, feed the pets and whatever. She's like, I'll be there in an hour. I'm like, what the fuck? That's like, married life is what that is. Yeah, she's like, damn. Oh. Damn. <laughs> Oh, no. Lizzie, did you find yourself in that scene where you just like staring at your ring and staring at the screen and being like, oh God, oh God, oh, oh, that's I, horrible. I was like, no, yeah, I was a, a little in pain, but then also I was like, well, the ring or the finger, I'm a very practical person in that regard. I was like, I mean, ring, yeah. but fingers are more necessary than rings. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so Bowden calls Severin and still in his office, tells them like Stafford's on board. So they're like, okay, well now we got to get in front of DC Hill. And Bowden's like, well, I've worn out my welcome with DC Hill. And Stella tries to call her and she's like, I'm going to cash in my chip. And, but DC Hill shuts that down too. And Stella's like, oh no, nobody hangs up on Stella kid. And I was like, (laughs) hell yes. Nobody hangs up on Stella kid. That is like fire's version of nobody puts baby in a corner like we, nobody yeah, hangs right. up on Stella kid we will be getting that on merch shortly just be patient yeah it's, yeah oh yeah it's gonna happen yeah it's gonna happen yep um but Stella's like in go mode she's like okay if DC Hill's not gonna answer my call then I'm just gonna do something else so she storms off finds Gallo and Mouch for like an emergency truck 81 meeting and she's like listen we're going down to headquarters after shift and like makes them make them listen. She's like, I'm talking real action. She's like, it's the same thing we do for him. If the roof came down and his pass alarm went off, like it's the same thing he would do for us. Like we're putting it all on the line. And yes. I was just like, hell yes. I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And I love the way too, that like Severed and Bowden just kind of looked on because again, this is Stella being the leader that we all know she right. could be. And it got the chance to shine and it was just so good. It was just yeah, so good. For sure. It was such a stellar thing to do. Like when she said, oh, this is what we should do. Like at the beginning, I was like, it's such a stellar thing to do to fix a problem for the guy. When really the, the easiest thing for her would be to look the other way and get the job that she mm-hmm. has probably now realized she actually wants. Um and instead, Stella Kid does this Stella Kid thing, which is the right thing, because that's who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's warm my heart. I loved it so much. Um, and so Severide finds Stella, like, on her way out of shift, and he's like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Like, should you really be pointing, like, a target on your back right now? And she just says, she's like, what's the point of taking a stand if you only do it when it's safe and convenient? And he's just, like, so in awe of her. He's like, I pity anyone who makes a mistake in getting in your way. And I was just like, I just, it's so good. Let's just camp out on that one line real fast, because this applies to, like, all of life and not just when Chicago, okay? What's the point of taking a stand if you only do it when it's safe and convenient? This applies to like life in general, not just one Chicago. Just like let that simmer. Let it simmer. Yeah. Let it simmer. Yeah. Stella Kid with a, like the powerful stuff. It was a really good line. And then the scene with Kelly was really good too, because he's basically like, hey babe, are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay, okay, just second. Go, 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 do it. <laughs> He was like, I'm just pointing it out because I feel like it's my job, but I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So Stella, Mouch, and Gallo, they go down to headquarters. They make this little, you know, demonstration in order to convince DC Hill to hear them out. It works. It's very powerful. I, I thought that was a great scene. And it works, like I said, because all of a sudden, the next thing we know, DC Hill and Stella are going to talk to Sarah to, like, convince her to retract her statement. That's a powerful moment, too. Just how Stella's like, you know, we're two women who have, you know, had to claw our way up to the top of the CFD. Right. And this isn't helping you. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that moment. Um, But then things kind of come to a head at the gala. So Severide and Bowden look very sharply dressed. These Texas are working on everybody in this episode. Everybody. And they're like, okay, we're going to stand in the middle of the room so that Kilborn will see us and come over to them. And of course he does. And they basically, they lead him out in the hall. Stella and DC Hill are also very, look awesome in their dresses too. And that's where they are. And DC Hill's just like, yeah, no, Kilborn, we're not doing this anymore. Like you're on administrative leave, effective immediately. Bye 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 <laughs> Sayonara, you're out um so yeah so then we get what is like the best stellaride moment of the entire episode and there's a lot of them and this is like by far and away the best one so severide takes stella out on the patio and we get this i was blown away by what you did for Pelham. it was brave and beautiful and strong yeah. And despite what some other guy said yesterday, I am actually the luckiest man in Chicago. Uh. <laughs> it's it about was damn so time bad. Stella finally got her ring. Yes. I actually completely yes. forgot that she didn't have a ring yet until like one of our group chats brought it up and I was like, oh my God, she doesn't have a ring. Yeah. How do you forget? Like, I just go on Twitter and people are talking about it. That's like all time. people want to talk about. And, yeah. And I don't, and I don't even follow, like, I I try to not get too deep into fandoms because the more you get deep into a fandom, I feel like the more I lose the chance to, like, the possibility of being too objective about what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. So I try not to get too deep into fandom, but even if, without getting too deep, <laughs> everyone, every week was like, where is Stella's ring? So I was like, okay okay when i saw the ring like in kelly's face earlier in the episode i was like this is it i get my ring she's a really patient woman like i i tried to like i put myself in her position for a second and i was like okay well well, i've been engaged since october and if i still didn't have a ring by now i'd be like um you still want to do this right like (laughs) patient woman well i think that going back to lizzie's point real quick about the fandom the thing that caught me was that Hanako posted a picture on her Instagram story and it was of her and Kara and the way she captioned it was like this is I don't remember exactly but it was like looking at something and it had like a the diamond emoji at the end and somebody pointed out the fact that it was like oh does that mean Stella's getting her ring and I was like how did you pick up from Hanako's Instagram story that that's what that means and I was like this fandom amazes me sometimes I was like I can't I I I can't, like, when we get screeners, I always write, like, I always get super scared of writing advanced reviews, because sometimes people pick up on it, like, and I know I'm not saying anything, like, I know what I'm writing, and sometimes 
um, you're a little vague on purpose and people go like com the completely different direction. And that's good because you don't want them to know. But sometimes I will say like A and people are like, oh, so this is happening. And you're like, how in the world do you, how? Like, I don't yeah. get it sometimes. This is the smartest so fandom. Yeah, it the really smartest. Is. Yeah. Like the smartest, brightest fandom. I feel like, I feel like if there's ever some sort of like cold case that the FBI needs solved, that like they just really need to come to the one Chicago fandom. Like we will figure it out. They're detectives. <laughs> Everyone in this fandom is a detective. Like there, yeah, there is nothing that this fandom cannot find. Like, yeah, like, it's impressive. And then sometimes like, Part of it, I guess, is like they follow filming so closely, which is why I don't. Like, I like to have a little bit of separation. Like, I like to be sort of surprised, even if we get screeners sometimes. Like, I'd like to watch the show and not know everything that has been going on filming-wise. Because mm -hmm. if not, I sort of know what to expect. But then people are so dialed in into what's happening, where they film, uh, where the permits were, that they know. Like, they have a, a pretty big idea of what's coming. So, like, you people are... I don't even know how you do it, but you people are the best. Smartest like, fan base. Really. Yeah. Standing yeah. ovation. Yeah. But no, I just, I had to throw that in there, but back to the scene itself. It's just, it's perfect. I think especially coming off like the last, however many episodes it's been with all the stellaride issues and the non-communication and I just, it felt so earned. It felt just so good. And I just, I love everything about it. Can we also talk about Stella's straight hair? Right. In her dress? I mean, Amazing. She looked incredible. Yes. Yes. She looked, yeah. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. Like, I know, I was like, I should be looking at Kelly, but <laughs> look at her. Yeah. She looked incredible. Just, everything about it is, oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. And then the episode ends, well, the storyline ends and the episode itself ends with after the gala or whenever they decide to leave, like Stella shows up at Pelham's house and he's like, I think you missed the address for the gala. And she's like, no, actually, like, this is where the party's at. Like, and she tells him, you know, Bowden wants you to report for duty, like Kilborn's out, you're in. And she just, he's like, how? He's so like flabbergasted. And she's just says, you know, like, you're part of 51. Like, we got your back. I love it so much. Me too. Yeah, I think for me, as much as like I've kind of been iffy on Pelham and I, you know, we'll talk about it in a second. I think about what we think is going to happen. Like the thing that's always been beautiful about Chicago Fire is like the found family and how much they fight for each other, you know, in the worst of circumstances and even in the best of circumstances, how they support each other. And this just, I think, really embodied that. And it we like what we had talked about like it that aspect to me at least had been missing in this season so far mm -hmm. and it was just really nice to see it really highlighted and be at the forefront of this episode and I just I loved it for sure yeah for sure um we of course got listener thoughts on this um Megan R said Stella leading the charge on truck as it should be loved hearing you got Stella kid again or you got the Stella kid again and she said I was squealing when Stella got her ring it's about damn time love it love yes. it Jess said fire felt so feel good like just a really enjoyable episode I'm glad it looks like the Pelham storyline is mostly wrapped up and he's staying for now even though it means we've still got one lieutenant too many, I've been saying for seasons at this point that Chuck needs more people. And if Stella doesn't think she's ready, I'm happy for her to chill under Pelham's leadership. 
Stella was iconic with Mouch and Gallo at DC Hill's office. And I always love seeing 51 be absolutely ride or die for each other. Also between getting a, you got the Stella kid and I'm the luckiest man in Chicago. I'm one happy Stella ride shipper. Yeah. Can we talk about this? I'm the luckiest man in Chicago. Like season one, season two, Severide could never. Like I literally stopped watching Chicago fire at one point because I could not like, I like Matt. I like, uh, Gabby, I, I just did not like Severide. After Shay, I just could not with Severide. And then I came back for Stella and, and I was like, who is this Kelly Severide that I literally made this? He made me stop watching the show. That's how much his spiral after Shay was like, I just can't with you. Are you ever gonna learn? Um, and then here we are and he's the luckiest man in Chicago. Like, the growth um, his, this show has been on for a long time. Mm-hmm. If you really look at the trajectory of S- S- Kelly Severide's like story, like it's he's not even the same person. No, not no. even close. In the best way, but not even close. Yeah, that is how we do character growth, people. Yes. Yep. So bad. Yeah. So bad. Um, Ben asked the question that I was kind of trying to gonna get to bring up. So he said, is Brett Dalton coming on as a regular? I could see a situation where Pelham realizes it's better for the house for Stella to lead than and transfers thoughts. I like literally do not see any way out of this. Like is either Brett coming on as a regular uh, or he's gonna be like, now that I could have any, appointment that I want like I I don't have to see us 51 this is Stella's um job sort of and I can just go and and get a job somewhere else because now he's not like well I gotta stay at 51 because they're the only ones that would have me um he can just go and like appreciate what they did for him and sort of go or they bring him on like because I it feels clear to me that the end game not like in five seasons or in two seasons or next season is to get Stella in charge. So how do you do that if you bring Brad as regular? So if you keep him at 51, you gotta kill him off. And like, I just, I don't see any way out of it, storytelling wise. Like well, I said that, what about it? Well, and we know that he's still filming because Miranda kind of unintentionally spoiled things when she posted about him in truck, like, you know, that they were on set like two days ago. So I was like, I guess, yeah, obviously Brett Dalton is still filming. So we know he's on, you know, in whatever, I don't know what episode they're on right now, but like, he's still around for at least the next couple of episodes. So like, where are we going with this? Right. I'm, I'm I don't so know. torn. Cause like, yeah, I'm torn. Because like when we, we've talked about before, like if he just up and leaves, then Stella gets the position by default. And I don't want that for her. I don't want it to be something where like, oh, well, we needed a lieutenant. It just so happens you're one. So now go fill in. And then she's got her leadership point. No, I wanted her to, I want her to earn it, which like, I mean, she already has earned the title, but like, I, you know, I don't want it to be something where she's like, I don't really want to be a lieutenant right now. And then it just so happens that, you know, Pelham leaves and she's like, well, okay, I guess my, my hand was forced. I don't really want that. But also I feel like it's going to be an either or with who we keep as a regular between Brett Dalton and Jimmy Nicholas. And we all know where I stand on this now. Um, <laughs> don't make me choose. Don't make me choose. Um, no, yeah. no, but I want you to choose. <laughs> I choose Jimmy. Okay. I mean, I just wanted you to say it. I figured from, from your face, but like I wanted it on record. I, well, well, 
we'll talk, but I choose Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think um, you can compare the two. I think they're two very different circumstances, but it does just kind of make me wonder. Like, I don't think even if he just up and leave, even if he dies, like even if they do go that route and they kill him off, Stella still then gets the position by default. So I don't understand. I mean, like they're they've kind of written themselves into a corner and like right. I just, I don't really know where they're going to go. And I get it. I don't, at this point, I don't have anything against Pelham. Like, I'm not mad if they kind of keep him around for a little bit. I wouldn't think that's the worst thing ever. It's more of just like when we eventually end up at the Stella getting the lieutenant position, which we know is going to happen and sooner rather than later, how do we get, how do we get that without it feeling like not great? Yeah. Like, like can we also something? Yeah. Can we also stop putting into the universe like Pelham getting killed off? Can we stop that, please? Like, I'm just gonna <laughs> knock on wood again. I'm sorry. I'm trying to come up with like it's like they did write themselves into a corner here, I think. And that was sort of like the thing that was bothering me about the storyline before. And then they sort of did this episode, and Stella was so good, and Stella was so good that I sort of like uh Locked pushed it out. that out of my yeah. mind. But yeah, pushed like forgot about it for a second. But it's still true that this lieutenant storyline is still something like I I I'd rather they don't kill. Like that's just I also don't know if Belham would be like a a good character to kill off in the sense that I mean, are you I like him, but like is it as impactful? Like I don't and then we had mad living this season. Like, do you really wanna be like Oh, you had a big departure and then you're going to kill off a big character. I think season 10 might be like, let's leave them, like not kill off anyone. Um, but other than that, I just don't see what a good solution is um, to Stella, to not feel like Stella was handed this, something that she obviously earned beforehand, mm-hmm. other than perhaps Pelham getting like a better offer somewhere else or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. I'll be curious to see where they go. Like I said, it's, I think it's clear that as of right now, Brett Dalton is still filming. So he is at least around for a little bit longer. Um, but I'll be curious to see what they do and, you know, where this all goes. Yeah. So, yeah. So Shannon said, I absolutely loved seeing everyone fight for Pelham and have his back. It was really heartwarming. The scene at the end with Stella giving Pelham his turnout coat back and saying he's part of 51 was everything. My heart. So happy Pelham finally has the fire family he always wanted. He finally has people who'd fight for him and who care about him. And then she said, going off of that, if the plan isn't to keep Pelham around long-term, how would the writers even be able to write him out now in a way that it makes sense, which is just what we talked about. Um, Pelham's happy at 51, finally found a family. It doesn't make sense that he'd leave by choice. And given that he and Stella seem to be getting along and she doesn't want to be Lieutenant right now, him leaving or getting pushed out so she can take over doesn't make sense either. Maybe it's just my deep mistrust in TV writers, but I really hope this isn't a Lucas Ripley situation where they introduce a character, make us love him, and then kill him to showcase the dangers of firefighting. Oh my God. Why do we keep putting this into the universe? (laughs) Got it. It's because we're TV fans and we know how things go. Oh man. Oh man. And she said, I'm afraid to even write that. I don't want to speak it into existence. Too late. (laughs) Um, I don't know why. It just really feels like that could be a potential ending to this storyline. And I don't like it. How many times have we seen a character finally become happy and get everything they ever wanted before being killed off? In short, protect Pelham at all costs. You guys, now I'm scared. (laughs) 
it's just like it's just I, I I consider it a real possibility like I don't want it but I consider it a real possibility in the sense that they could be like maybe write I think they could probably write it in a way that makes Stella realize this is the job she wants I don't want that to happen I don't want it to be another tragedy that sort of pushes a character into something we uh, have just- suffered enough this season on fire yeah but this is Derek then so like I mean we have suffered but like like, but Derek would make us suffer every episode if it was up to him right he wrote like I I've had a few questions for him like um he wrote a a Christmas episode that he called like a Hallmark movie and I don't know if he's watched the same Hallmark movies I have so he just (laughs) likes pain (laughs) yeah he likes to torture us and we all know oh yeah no, he loves it. He loves it. I think of that Harry Potter quote where Ron's like, so you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy. But you're going to be it. happy about it. Yeah. 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 Yep. <sighs> I don't like that we put this into the universe. So like we need a bubble wrap Pelham. We, again, we <laughs> suffered enough. Okay. Casey leaving was like really traumatic. Okay. Like that was enough. And then we lost Stella for five episodes. And then we had Stella ride angst. We have suffered enough. Like <laughs> enough. Too much. Yeah. <sighs> yeah so we'll we'll see but yes bubble wrap bubble wrap Pelham at all costs please and and Chief Hawkins who we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> Chief <right>. Hawkins. <laughs> let's talk about the CFD gala alt gala all that good stuff okay um before we get like super deep into it I do just want to say you guys thank you for all the feedback we got after our Jimmy Nicholas interview last week oh my god we had so much fun like yeah. I just so much fun yeah it was also really fun to see how much everyone else loved him just for like it was really it was really cool one of our best reactions by far it was really by far yeah and i love how the unanimous like everybody's unanimous we're just like no like he can never leave he's got to be a regular like figure it out yeah i will also choose him over brett i'm sorry yeah yeah Yeah. i mean yeah yeah same so yeah, you guys, thank you for all your feedback on that. We had, we had as much fun as it seems like we had, like we had a blast. It was so much fun. So, okay. The gala. So Mouch comes into the common room and he's like, you guys, the gala is officers only this year because of COVID. So Brett's like, well, we should just throw an alt gala. Like we should just do what they did in Footloose. You guys, Gallo doesn't even miss a beat. And he goes, wait, what's Footloose? <sighs> gallo 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 this episode made me feel so old for so many reasons <laughs> he hasn't even seen the reboot clearly not like i would have left so hard if there was a scene where like they were just like oh yeah well isn't there a guy that like kind of looks like ruzik in the reboot like they had all <laughs> the opportunity in the world to make that joke and yeah. they didn't take it yeah but that's but, okay Oh man. I don't think I've seen the original. I think I've only seen the reboot. What the hell? <laughs> I don't think I've seen the original. Like, I think it's been on like after Dirty Dancing comes on and I just don't pay attention. It's good. But at least you know what it is. So Yeah. You've seen one version. I'll take it. Yeah. And of course I've seen the reboot because Patty's in it. Yes. Yes. You heard what I just said. Patty Fluger is in the reboot of Footloose. But he sucks in that movie because he's, he's an the asshole. worst. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His character is an asshole, and even Patty himself will admit that. Yeah. But he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. 
what's footloose gallo gallo um i did laugh our friend rachel she she tweeted right after that happened she was like okay well somebody needs to put it on for him like tonight at the firehouse like that's it who okay what member of firehouse 51 sits him down is like now you will watch footloose like shut up and watch the movie brett just brett brett you don't think anybody will tag team with him no brett (laughs) okay just brett what do you think like what's cap's favorite movie i don't know i'm curious i'm just like thinking movies now I'm like what is their favorite movie cap's favorite has to be something like Weird. not even monty python that's like too smart for cap right no it's definitely either something like really weird and like and just like really weird or like some like very serious drama that you wouldn't expect him to like yeah i could see severide's favorite being top gun yeah something like that now Brett's i'm gonna is think obviously. about it yeah Brett's has got to be dirty dancing yeah definitely some chick flick like that or princess bride <laughs> princess bride i could see being like not caps well no i could see that being caps favorite actually yeah whatever oh, this man. is a fun game to play don't judge me okay so um the millennials and brett they're all talking about the alt gala in the bunk room and they basically are like yeah we can use molly's patio because herman's gonna be at the actual gala if we file a permit with the city we can have live music and cap's ears perk up at the live music part which like this was genius because i did not expect this to go the way it went not at all not at all not at all so cap's like there's a garage band that practices down the street from my house and brett like goes to stop him and then gallo's like oh my god i think we need an alt alt party like as in like cap wasn't cool enough to join the alt party we didn't want that to happen yeah so then the millennials are talking about the alt alt party in the laundry room and brett overhears them it cracks me up that we don't consider brett one of the millennials but like she pretty much is well, and yeah, somebody brought is. this up that, like, Brett should be going to the real gala. Why isn't she going to the real gala? She's oh, an officer. Oh, because she's PIC. That's right. Yeah. Like, That's why right. isn't she going to the real gala? Is it just she doesn't want to go and she's so into planning something else that she's like, fuck the real gala. I'm just going to go to this alt gala. I imagine if every firehouse across Chicago has a PIC and every single one of them goes, that kind of, like, defeats the capacity, the- defeats the purpose of like limiting capacity well isn't it kind of the same thing with like every every firehouse i'd assume has at least one officer if not two like you know yeah i don't know i don't know someone just brought that up and i was like yeah why didn't brett go to the real gala is pic an officer position though i think so Hmm. mystery maybe it's not technically i don't know but i don't know yeah. um brett gets so upset about them ghosting the alt party which is just hilarious it's so She's funny like, i have a pizza oven lined up and i'm just like oh honey oh that is so yeah, something you're brett not helping say. your case yeah. <laughs> yeah oh brett she tries she tries oh man so violet finds gallo and ritter later on because she's like i can't go to the either of the alt parties because i'm going to the real gala which like when she said that i was like please tell me hawkins invited her as her plus one please (laughs) tell me that like that's the case but it's because they're honoring her for her award and her attendance is mandatory 
Yep. So Gallo's like, okay, we'll just come out when you're done, which I don't think she did, but we'll get there. So at the alt party, Brett comes up when to Gallo done. and Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about a morning after scene? I will not mind. Yeah. Yeah. She's not going to be done, Gal. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So at the alt party, Brett comes up to Gallo and Ritter and she's so desperate. It's so funny. She's like, you guys are having fun, right? Don't leave, right? Please don't leave. Oh God, no, please really don't leave. (laughs) Bless her heart. So the band takes the stage and this band is called Jackson Doesn't Like Bananas. And Cap is the drummer. This is the best thing since Kruzumba. It was so funny. Oh my God. And I did not know that Randy played drums in real life. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did not know that. And I and then I saw him posting all the like behind the scenes stuff today about like them practicing as like a band. I thought yeah. I was like, oh my God. I, I, I didn't know that. I thought it was so cool. So cool. Yeah, so cool. And it's like they're actually not that bad. Like they reminded me a lot of Hep Alien from Gilmore Girls. Um, I got like yeah. that total vibe from that. That was the vibe. Yeah, it was it was cute though. And like, yeah, they they were crushing it on the drums. I was just like, oh my God, this is catchy. But I also want to know where the band title comes from. <laughs> like I, I imagine there's like a writer with a son named Jackson, and Jackson just straight up doesn't like bananas, but like I'm still I'm so curious. Like probably. I, I was dying at the fact that like Tony is like the band's biggest fan. He's got like the t-shirt and like it cuts to him at one point and he's like singing the lyrics. I was like, that is actually the funniest thing I've ever seen. I thought that was yeah. so funny. Also, where can we get those shirts? I would totally buy one. <laughs> I would. I have no shame. Like and somebody totally. like just randomly is going to be like, what's Jackson doesn't like bananas. And you're like, you don't get it. It's fine. It's, <laughs> you don't get it. It's fine. It's just, it, you just don't get it. It's, it's the it, hottest it's... band coming up and you don't get it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> could be total hipsters about it. You haven't heard of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Ritter and Gallo were like, well, we're going to stay. We're having fun. Like we're, you know, we're not going to go to like the alt all yellow. So Gallo yeah. texts Violet and tells her about the change of plans. So then we cut to the gala. Violet shows up looking unbelievable. She's wearing this like teal dress and her hair is pulled back. She looks amazing. Yeah, that color works so well for her. She looked unreal. Art. Art. So she walks in. The first thing she sees is Hawkins across the room. And the first thing Hawkins sees is Violet across the room. He's like staring at her when she walks in. Like he knew that she was like walking through that door. They both look amazing. Like when Jimmy said last week, he was like, my tux is pretty dope. His tux was pretty dope. Like, I mean, the first thing I would look for when I entered the gala would be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No shame. Yeah. No shame. <laughs> so nobody says anything. They just kind of like look at each other from afar. So then later, Violet runs into Hawkins in the hallway. Oh my God. <laughs> so like they run into each other and it's like a hi hi and then like <laughs> violet just is like yeah and it happens like fireworks noises just they have their first kiss and it's amazing it's so good oh it this moment is like electric like this is everything i wanted in a hakami first kiss <laughs> yeah. yeah it's i yeah honestly i think it's up there with like best one chicago first kisses like it's that good it's epic 
It's epic. It's that good. It's the chemistry is just it's the thing that's been working so far. The chemistry is just like they're staring at each other and you're like, kiss. You like that that <laughs> gift where you're pushing them together to kiss. You're like, kiss. And then they do, and you're like, yes. There are so many little things about this scene that are just like perfect. Just perfect. So the push-up against the wall. Oh my God. The hand uh, on the wall is what gets me every time. And I've watched this scene, I don't even know, a thousand times probably in the last 24 hours. But like the hand on the wall as he like push. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's so hot. It's so hot. I can't. And as, as much as, you know, when, when we have people on the podcast, we're always clear. We're just like, we don't want spoilers. Like, don't, don't even worry about that. We're not going to pressure you. But if Jimmy had spoiled that last week, I wouldn't have been mad. No, I think it was better not knowing. Cause I, mean, I honestly thought I didn't know when it was coming. And like, I was like, are we going to get it? Or is it happening? And like, I think not knowing made it just that much better it, it really was just that much better but like yes the, the the push against the wall the hand on the wall both of them are smiling while this is happening it's just the the chemistry oh my it's, god but but those are also the kind of things that i always want to ask later like was that you was that an acting decision was there a directing decision like where did the hand come from some digging it and i just want to know yeah, I would love to see that scene on, like, the page and see, like, was it scripted for, like, them to, like, push against the wall? Was that that? Like, I would love to know that. Yeah, yeah. And what about, did you guys see the, the video that uh, Anthony Lulo posted uh, on Thursday? Uh, just the behind the scenes of it. Because, like, in the moment we're seeing the shot and we're like, this is amazing. But then he shows the behind the scenes and you totally forget that there's, like, 10 people shooting the scene while they're making out. You completely yeah. forget. That's got to be so awkward. Like, the more I watch the show, the more I'm, like, fascinated by the acting process. I'm like, how do you do that? How do the Marvel actors act in front of a green screen when, like, nothing's happening? I have so many questions. Just, this was perfect. Yeah, it's so good, though. And, like, some people were like, well, did they get their own music? So, absolutely, you know, there's, like, the Bretzy music, the Dossie music, the Celluride music. Like, did they get it? I don't know. But, like, I guess we'll find out as more scenes happen. But They like, got their own music. They got their own music, can confirm, because it was the same music that was playing in the scene last week when they were like, well, we should probably stay away from each other. Yeah. Hakami has their own music. That's big. Because I was, I was... I was trying not to get attached here to them as a couple. Like I already got attached to Chief Hawkins. That that was that ship sailed long ago. But I was yeah. trying not to get attached to them as a couple because I was like, is this all just set up to go back to Gallo? And like, if I get like attached here, I'm just I'm just gonna be hurt. Um, but the music sort of like when I I'm not very good with music. Uh, but when I heard, uh, I saw people on Twitter talking about they got their own music. I was like, is this something I can, like, can I get attached now? Because well, and I think I'm the still fact, scared. And I think the fact just that they had their own first kiss and it was such a moment because I was thinking back about it too. Like, obviously, I think in the beginning when they kind of started flirting, it was like, okay, Hawkins is just going to be like her Granger or her Hazmat Zach or whatever. And like, but when you think back about those storylines, first of all, they never really spent as much time with those couples, Hazmat, Zach, and Stella, and then like Granger and Brett, as we're getting with Hawkins and Violet. But also, too, like 
when those like other couples kissed, like it was not a moment. It was like, okay, yeah, kiss, whatever, you know, no big deal. But this is like an epic moment. And I don't think they spend all this time like building this up if they're not going to go there. Like that just to me would seem like, what's the point? Uh, honestly at this point in time and I've never felt this way about a love triangle usually when a love triangle happens I'm like no the first guy like that's that's just that that's the rules I'm at a point now where I'm just like I kind of don't want her to go back to Gallo like and that's never happened to me in a love triangle before ever where I'm just kind of like listen no offense to him he's an absolute cinnamon roll and the cutest thing in the world but like Hawkins yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, yeah. I just, I have never felt like Gallo was where he needed to be with Violet. Um, so if that was where they were going, that still needed a lot of development for me. And then the problem is that if they bring in Hawkins and he's working so well, when Gallo and Violet were still like this far apart for me, um, that just, I, I don't know. I don't know where they're going, um, uh, but I'm interested in, 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 in this. I love Violet from the beginning. Um, but I didn't think I wasn't as invested in what I was getting from her and Gallo at all, to be honest. Uh, and then maybe they could have worked like I maybe with more focus, I could have gotten there. Um, but I am invested in like, I don't think the, the Hakami thing is something that they should just like use to get to Gallo. Um, no. they, they should let it play. Like if it doesn't work for some reason, it doesn't work we, at this point, commit to it let it play out and then maybe let it play out till the end of the season. And then we'll see how people feel about it. I mean, yeah. clearly the internet is like obsessed. Like it's all oh. I've seen on Twitter. And apparently I don't check the Facebook group. I mean, I check our Patreon group, but I don't check like, you know, the Facebook pages or whatever, but apparently even the Facebook people are loving Hakami, which I feel like says a lot because the Facebook people don't seem to like a lot of things so everybody seems to love this and yeah I definitely agree I it's hard because I know the writers are like that much like they're filming ahead now but obviously the writers are even that further ahead with their scripts because obviously they they, you know they write so fast so much further ahead so I hope they're still going with this and that you know we're not going to be disappointed but like yeah if they were smart they would keep going with this for a long time because it's working mm-hmm. um i did something else i kind of honestly forgot about it all until i saw this in our patreon group but someone brought this up and i could not mention it so the bruised knuckles yeah is that a plot cut yeah. out of the episode is that just the internet overreacting i'm i think it's probably just the internet overreacting but like i'm curious is that what do you guys think yeah yeah that had to be the internet overreacting and it was like an untouched photo or something but that's hysterical if that's the internet overreacting because it was such a big deal last week when those photos came out again smartest fandom in the world nothing gets by us so funny so hilarious because i mean i just i couldn't figure it out last week i was like well his knuckles are bruised but like who would hawkins have punched like well, I, I thought I had a di- bunch of different theories, but that was when I thought everybody was going to be at the gala and not just officers. And then that once I, and, you know, once the episode started and it was like, oh, it's officers only. I was like, okay, well, there goes like any potential theory I could have had. <laughs> so no, Hawkins is not going to punch Gallo. Yeah. Um, 
that might be a deal breaker though. Like you can't, you can't punch the cinnamon roll. You can't do it. Like you're dreamy AF chief Hawkins, but like, you can't touch the cinnamon roll. Yeah. No, I don't know. But no, this was amazing. Everything I wanted from it. And I am just give me the morning after in episode 13. Just give me all the hot commie. I don't even care. Just give it to me. I love so, so much how unanimous the fandom is right now. How everybody, like a lot of people on Twitter are like, Chicago is his forever home. Like make him a regular, fix it now. (laughs) And like, you know, a lot of the questions we got were like, can we keep him? Can we make him a regular? Like the fandom is united on this. We are like, no, we want him around forever. Yeah. What if there's like a firefighter vacancy and then we're just like, oh, Chief Hawkins, you have your firefighter certification. Why don't you slot in over there? (laughs) I don't know about that, but. (laughs) I'll I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. Let's keep him for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like this might be like, maybe I'm just going to put it into the universe, but I feel like if we get this morning after scene that we do want, we're probably going to have to put up with the one we don't want because, you know, <laughs> balance and karma and all that. I'll take it. I will make yeah, that trade off. <laughs> for, for Hakami, if I have to sit through that other morning after scene first, I will I will make do somehow. I, yeah. It'll be my sacrifice to the one Chicago gods, but I will do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, do that's, it. That's, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, I was about to ask you guys something and now I can't remember what it was. Damn it, that's so annoying. Um, <laughs> oh, did you see the video that Jimmy posted on TikTok earlier this week about the ship name, how he like has officially given his blessing to hook on me? Yes. Love it, love it. I laughed so hard. Um, I love when the, the actors do that. So funny. I love when they can play along to like, you know, like it's obviously everything in the fandom is like all about fun and, you know, like nobody takes it like it's like life or death. And so the fact when the actors can like get in on the jokes too, like it's just, it, it just makes it that much more fun. Um, <laughs> I was in yeah. a rabbit hole today of, of gift sets of Hakami because like all of us were, if you're, if you're a shy heart <laughs> and you were not in a rabbit hole of Hakami gifts today, you're lying. Um, <laughs> But there was that moment of like, I don't even go on Tumblr anymore. And I went, oh, good for you. It's a trash heap in like the best way. Yeah, I only go when I really want to. And today I really wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But there was a gif of like the moment where he gets out of the ambo with Violet. And now all I'm thinking is like, (laughs) that's when he hit his head on the ambo. (laughs) Thank you, Hanako. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I love our cast. I love our cast so much. So perfect. So listener thoughts here. We got a lot. So Megan R said, Peter Quill would have totally been offended by Gallo's comment about not seeing Footloose. Definitely reminded me of his exchange, his exchange with Spider-Man in Infinity War. <laughs> it's funny. Um, Lizzie, do you speak Marvel at all? Yes. Yes. Okay. I know I that for a fact. Yes, she does. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. Um, Jimmy did his homework last week, which was hilarious. He's like, no, I know we're a Marvel podcast. Like we're one Chicago, but we dabble. Like, I know. Um, so Megan said the alt party was a cool idea, but I'm so confused. Isn't Sylvia an officer due to being PIC? So technically she should be there. Good question. We still don't know. Still don't know. No. And then she said, Kat being in a teen rock band doesn't surprise me at all. It was enjoyable to see, although a part of me was kind of hoping we saw the return of, ah, Cap, Ella. I am drawing such a blank right now. What is she referring to? I honestly, I meant to look it up and I definitely don't remember this. I'm sure it's one of 
caps like many lines that you know just kind of got thrown in there right. but i don't remember which season I, it's from a capism i don't think it was a thing that lasted too long like it felt it feels to me if if i remember correctly it was something like small yeah like i said i'm sure it was one of his like throwaway line type things but i just i don't remember <laughs> oh man um Jess said, oh, my freaking God, Hakami. I don't think I've ever, I've sent an email since they became a thing, but I'm super here for them. I completely agree with you, what you said last week about Hawkins being a man. And honestly, every week he kind of makes Gallo even look more like a boy. Sorry, Gallo, my sweet cinnamon roll. I love you, I swear. Violet motherfucking killed in that dress. And I can't blame <laughs> Hawkins for not being able to keep his hands off of her. Also, I'm pretty sure Hakami just made the case for hottest first kiss of any OC ship ever. That's fair. I it's still think fair. I still think Linstead had a great one. Lin's like we can't forget Linstead's first kiss. It was pretty epic. I mean, but- there's a bunch of really good ones. Dossie's is really good. Dossie's mm. first kiss is really good. Um, I mean, Bretzy, Celeri, like all the kind of major couples. That's what I'm saying. Like all the major couples have really good iconic first kisses. And God, like Dossie's was fucking hot. And then like yep. you get this one, and you're like, okay, well if this if they're getting this. It's got to mean something. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It was pretty good. All right. <laughs> Any other notes on fire aside from this being like the most perfect episode? It was really, I really, I, this is like yeah. I said, my favorite one this season. I loved it so much. It was perfect. Just perfect. do it again next episode. Please. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Give us more Akami. Give us more Stellaride. That's like all I need right now. I'm, I'm cool. How do you think this is going to play out with Hawkins and Violet? Is this going to be something where we just watch Gallo be really jealous? Are we going to, like, is this going to be something like PD where we, like, forget about it for a couple episodes? Like, how are we, how do you think this is going to play out? I don't think they're forgetting about it for a couple episodes. I mean, I know Jimmy told us he's been back and forth a lot. Like, he was in Chicago last week when we talked to him. Like, he's filming. So, like, I don't think this is something that's just forgotten. I think Gallo's definitely going to be, jealous whenever he does find out he's gonna be upset that she didn't join him them at molly's because i really doubt that she does um yeah but like i think they probably keep it a secret for a little bit i don't see them you know coming clean right away either because of the whole boss situation um but anyway it goes i'm here for it so this, okay, you guys remember what we said when like Upstead got engaged, like before they got married, how we were like, listen, no matter what happens, we will always have the engagement. No matter what happens, we will always have that first kiss. Yeah, but like, don't let it stop there. Yeah, no, don't let it yeah. stop there. But like, like, let's have more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more please. I'm not ready yes. for it to be over. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, more please. All right, it's PD time. As we always do before PD, we stretch it out. Let's stretch it. Oh man, freaking uh, yeah. PD. PD man, yeah. We're just gonna stretch it, make sure we're nice and uh... and it's a void episode. <laughs> and it's a void episode. Yes. Okay, so I want to start this off with the review that you wrote for this episode, Lizzie, because you were very honest, very very honest. She always is. Always. Why we love her. Which yes. Well, okay. So just. I'm trying to like think of how to start with this episode because I'm not gonna lie when I hear like oh it's one Chicago Wednesday but PD is a void episode I'm like well cool PD is not gonna suck up as much brain power as it usually does um 
So my first time through with this episode, yeah, I was bored. Super effing bored. Then I watched it a second time and it wasn't as bad, but Lizzie wrote a very honest and on point review. Can you just kind of like take us through that a little bit? I mean, I, I normally like to go like by characters, but this was, um, well, PD isn't really good at balance, uh, but sometimes they give you other things. This was, this episode was pretty much Void and Anna and they're trying to set up. Some people were like, this is romantic. And I was like, I'm going to go puke. Give me a second. Oh my God. That's, that's not what they're trying to set up. Um, Blech, I don't even want to think of Void in the word romantic. Eh. Some people just... Yeah, right. But if if it were gonna get romantic, it would have to be with someone who's not like. It's not even that she's younger; it's that she's like the, the power I, dynamics are. Yeah. No. Uh, but. Yeah, but then the the episode just did not work. I just I, honestly, and it wasn't. It was slow, but I think part of it was that we just didn't care. Um. And then it, even the, the thing that I thought was going to be interesting, them setting up the dynamics between Jay and Void did not work because I keep looking at it and thinking, why are you doing this, Jay? Why do you care so much? And I got a long review, a long comment on my review, like long. Someone tried to explain the show to me like I never watched it because they said it's obvious why Jay is doing this. And I was like, I'm so glad it is obvious to you. That makes you exactly one person. Because I just... The, the 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 thing that fire and mad now are doing so well is the balance where if you like what we saw Stella do for Pelham, who's been there two hot seconds, made sense. We were like, yes, we get it. We get that she feels like this. We get that they'd be willing to put their jobs on the line for, for him. Boyd has been there nine years. And we're like, but why do you care, Jay? Why is it that you care? Um, and I know, look, it, like in my mind, I know Boyd has done some things, some good things, but he's also done some bad things and he's like still playing to a stereotype of the bad cop. Um, so I just don't know what, like, I had hopes that they were going to either write him off or decide, you know what, he is the antagonist and that's what we're going to keep him at. Instead, they're trying to do this soft reboot of Boyd that does not work. Boyd 2.0 does not work because Void 2.0 has not grappled with anything that original Void did. Like, we can't forget. Like, I, I have the other episodes. Like, I can play them again and remember. <laughs> like, it, yeah. yeah. What I think, honestly, kind of in the reverse, they're kind of, at least to me, it kind of seems like, and this was my problem with the way the mid-season ended too, was that, or like the mid, the way the mid-season went down, was that like, it feels like they're kind of trying to do this reboot of Jay. Like we haven't, like you yeah. said, we have the episodes that show us who Jay is and the fact that he's always been against Voight. And so now the fact that Jay is like, Voight's number two in command and like seems to be going along with everything he does just like who are like who is this character that I love that always was against Voight and like is the one that was you know the moral compass or whatever like I'm just like who are you like I don't like recognize you and then and then we get less of Upstead too because now Jay is hanging out with Voight which I don't care about then the the few things I do care about, we don't get as much because I have to spend more time with Void, which I don't want. Um, like my my favorite Void, if I have to have a Void, is when he's in the background, like 
telling people to do things now, like that helps. And other people solve the case. Like, what? and then Anna, like, poor child, she just does not work. Like, I don't care. I, they try to give her like a sub story at the end and it sort of worked, but the dynamics between her and Void don't draw me in. So mm-hmm. I just don't care about her the way I should care if that storyline was going to be at all, all effective. And then the lack of balance, I think that's, that's the thing that makes the show not work when it doesn't work. The lack of balance makes it like, uh, Jay and Haley got married. They haven't even talked to each other since they got married on screen. Um, Adam and Kim have the thing with Michaela hanging over their heads. No one's mentioned it. Um, did someone talk to Kevin about that bad conversation he had with like at the end of last week? Do these people talk to each other? No one has made a joke about Haley and Jay getting married. Are you people even friends? Because that's what people do, make jokes. That's a fair question. Although I like to think that they're friends. I mean, but we don't know that isn't though. very good yeah. at showing it. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, what I, okay, so so this one was written by Gavin Harris, who is just like, Gavin's incredible. And the thing with Gavin is that I feel like Gavin's mind works on like a higher level than all of ours works because he writes the most unbelievable, complex, detailed stories, which is amazing, but it's too much for 40 minutes of TV. Like, this was a brilliant story. I watched it a second time. And like, you know, the set, once you watch it and you actually pay attention and hang on every word, you're like, oh, okay, this is actually not that bad. It's just that this was a really good story that got lost on a Void episode. Right. If it wasn't a Void story, I feel like this would have rang true. We would have been like, oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Okay. I I like Anna only like, parts of me, parts of me like her. But I feel like I feel like we would like her so much more if she wasn't tied to Void. Like I yeah. think the actress, the actress who plays her, is fantastic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think I think her her magic gets lost on the fact that she's tied to Void. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. And kind of going off what you guys were talking about with like the complex story and stuff. One thing I actually have kind of liked that PD's done a little bit this year is that. While, yes, there are individual cases going on in each episode, there is, like, a gigantic arc, it seems, that is connecting. Like, obviously, the first nine were all about, you know, the uh, Roy stuff. And, like, it all, even though there were different individual smaller cases, it all kind of connected to that. And I feel like with this, where we're going is, like, there's going to be, because obviously this case isn't over, and there is going to be some kind of overarching thing like we're gonna go back to the Los Tomitos we're gonna go back to Anna working at this bakery I do like that part of it but I would definitely I think care more if like you said Anna wasn't tied to Voight because I just don't care about Voight like I at all and like yeah yeah I kind of felt a little something for Anna at the end of this but like uh, like you know and it sucks I I like I said, I like the continuity. I like the fact that the cases are continuing more and more into other episodes. I like that part of it, but like, uh, I just, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And like nothing that Void does in this episode is surprising, right? Cause like, there's that moment where she's like, Hey, thanks for dealing with the hospital and all that stuff with Rafa's knee. Like, thanks for that. Okay. We know he's done that before. He takes care of his CIs. We know, we know. But he's also the same guy who, like, puts a guy's face on a hot burner and, like, you know, 
killed the guy who, or, you know, almost killed the guy who almost killed Kim. Well, like, and got his best friend killed, but that's a whole different story. That, that, like, I've walked that from memory. It was so awful. Like, I, I, I don't, like, every time I remember, not just that he got him killed, but how afterwards they treated it as like, they were all mourning Al together. Like, uh, no, full stop. <laughs> remember how we got here. Al literally died for Hank. And it's so fucked because like all Hank had to do was like, I want to say man up, but we don't say man up anymore. That's toxic. But like all he had to do was like take accountability for his actions and he did it too little too late. But like, and that's what my my main issue with Boyd has been. And people are like, I always get comments like, you just hate Boyd. It's like, no, I hate the way they write him. Okay, because the problem is they wanted to give him a redemption arc. They had five different chances in nine seasons and they never took one. And then they wrote what they wrote at the end of last season. So now you can get this soft reboot that it's only hurting Jay Halstead character. Um, so your soft reboot of Void is hurting Jay because it makes no sense. Every time Jay does something, I'm like, but who are you? And where is Jay Halstead? Can you bring him back again, please? See with if Jay. I- Go ahead, Brenna. No, I didn't. Go ahead. Well, okay. With Jay, like, I feel like I can, I feel like I can, like, read how his mind works better than Boyd, right? Of course. And I I feel like with Jay, it's like, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer thing. Now that he has Haley, he knows that, like, he knows he has something precious to protect in a way that he's never had that before. And so, I like to give him the benefit of doubt of the doubt with that and say that he's Boyd's right hand now so that he is closer to his enemy and knows what needs to be done to keep him in check and keep him from putting their lives in jeopardy again. I mean, I I don't know. I guess in theory that makes sense, but like it doesn't seem like that's the case either, just the way they're showing it. And I don't know. I just it still doesn't feel like my Jay that I think, I, I think there's love a disconnect. Yeah. I mean, I think Jay learned a really hard lesson in the midseason finale, like a really hard lesson that, you know, he's got to play dirty sometimes to protect everything that's dear to him. And so I feel like he learned that lesson in the midseason finale in a really hard way, and it might have changed him a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to give Jay the benefit of the doubt that, on that one, just because I, I feel like I can better read how his mind works compared to Boyd. I mean, I, I, I get it. I just feel there's a disconnect be- between what they want Jay to be thinking or how they want it to come off and what's really coming off as. Because my mind is like, well, this is obviously what Jay's thinking, what you just said. And then I look at Jay and I was like, and I'm like, uh, is it really what Jay's thinking? Because now I'm confused. What is yeah. Jesse trying to do um, versus what the writers are trying to Like, I, I don't know if they really know where they're taking the storyline. Because I mean, for this storyline to work with Void and Jay, I think they gotta have like an end game or like, where is it going? Well, I think the question is, I mean, we all know that the end game is for Jay to take over this unit, but does Jay know that? Does Jay, is that in Jay's mind at all? Like- Well, they had that one conversation that one time, right? That like one day the unit's gonna be yours. Yeah that one time that we thought that we were closer to getting that way back when how wrong we were but I just I so I think it's in the back of his mind that like he I think he knows that one day that like if he wants it it's his Mm -hmm. 
I mean, obviously if he doesn't want it, that's a different story, but I, you know, if he wants it, it's his. And I think he knows that, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know where they're really going with this. And it's not where I thought when we started this season that we were going to end up with Voight. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I'm not too worried about this. And maybe, I don't know if my guard's down and I'm just setting myself up to be disappointed, but like, I'm not really too worried about Jay. I'm more like, not even that I'm worried about Voight. Let's be real. None of us are worried about Voight, but I'm curious. There's the better word of like where we're going with the lost tomatoes thing. I think for sure Anna's going to die at some point. Uh, But like, where does the whole Voight thing go with this? I don't think there's any chance of redeeming him anymore because we've seen this before. Like, We've done this before multiple times where we're like, okay, now Voight's doing something good. Oh no, he lost the CI. Oh, the torment. There's no redeeming him. Nothing this man does, like his actions and words never line up ever, ever. Like right when you're like, oh no, he's good. He just does fucked up things. No, he goes and does something completely fucked up where you're like, he should go to jail for that. So who the hell knows anymore, right? So when I see a Voight redemption arc, I just laugh and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, that's cute. Yeah. been here done that exactly 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 so the whole gist of this episode is that we are we're getting back into the whole thing with los tomatoes the gang that anna's been after um their trademark the signature of killing people is ice picks to like the base of the skull okay um (laughs) the the question i had when i rewatched this i was like so what do they do in the summer then like (laughs) (laughs) What do they, what do they do? Do they just like have ice picks in a freezer and they just have to be really quick or do they like resort to another type of weapon? I don't know. These are the things we think about. I don't know. So, um, yeah, this is how my mind works. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Um, yeah. So we, we basically get to this, a couple of characters lead us to this guy Paco. Okay. And we're basically trying to figure out who ordered the hit on this like this couple that ended up dead earlier in the episode. So there's this bakery, Caraba Bakery, and there's this guy, Javi. Javi runs the bakery. Side note, that actor is so familiar. I have not Googled him yet. Where do I know him from? I don't know. I'll hit the Google. Oh my God. He's so familiar. I I don't know where I know him from and it's driving me nuts. Um, Yeah. So this bakery, Caraba Bakery, this guy, Javi runs it, right? Turns out Javi is the main guy in Los Tomatoes that we're looking for. He is like the kingpin. Okay. He's the guy. So this guy, Paco, he's like low level, but Anna knows him. Anna knows how to get in with him and all that good stuff. So there's a party at Paco's house and they're there and they basically are like, Anna, like you've got to find the gun. That's it. Find the Glock. We've got the weapon. And then we can move from there. Like that is your one mission. Find the gun. So they're there and she's looking for the gun and they're downstairs in like this like basement area of this super sweet pad, by the way, like this place had to be like millions of dollars. Um, I did laugh. So I, when I rewatched it, my fiance was with me. He doesn't watch PD. So like we're going to this, he's like, this is so unrealistic. That house is way too nice. And I paused it. I'm like, did you not hear what Ruzik said? Like five minutes ago, how that place is way too nice for a mechanic salary. Pay attention. Like, um, Okay, side note, his name is Jose Zuniga. I may have mispronounced that. He's been in like a bunch of stuff. Um, he's been in Narcos Mexico, The Expanse, Madam Secretary. Oh, yeah. Um, he's done like one-off episodes on like The Rookie and New Amsterdam and Blacklist, and he was in Snowfall and he was in Agents of She. I mean, like, he's literally got like all these credits. He's been in like 
literally everything. I'm taking two guesses as to where I know him from. Um, was he in the original version of Dexter or was he on Make It or Break It? Um, I will tell you. Hold on a second. He was on Alias. He was That's- one episode of Dexter and... He was on Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., wasn't he? Yes, he yeah. was. Was he yeah. Kaylee's dad on Make It or Break It? No, he was not. It he does not, not seem. Where do, well, but like literally from? since the 90s. I mean, like it just keeps going and going. He has a very long IMDb page. Okay. All right. All right. That's fair. I yes. could not place it at all. I was like, where do I know? Him? But okay. So one, one episode of Dexter, I wouldn't say like, okay. So there's another Jose Zuniga that was in Twilight. Oh, no. Was he in Twilight? Oh, that's him. Yes, he was. He was the teacher in Twilight. That's still not where I know him from. <laughs> but he was yeah. the teacher. That's, That's what I'm saying. But he's literally been in everything. Yeah, quite literally. My goodness. Since the early 90s. So side note. Okay. All right. All right. That that solves it just a little bit. Not too much. It's- <laughs> it solves it. Not really. Kind of. Sort of. And yeah, because I know him from other stuff. Too. There's something else I know him. From. He was one episode of the night shift. That's still not where I would know him from. But anyway. No, same, same. Oh, that's but anyway, fuck me. Anyway, okay, focus, Gina, focus. Uh, okay, so, so downstairs, they're they're looking, or um, Anna's looking for the Glock, and Paco like leaves for a second, whatever. So this other guy comes downstairs, and they start doing drugs or whatever, and something kind of like triggers her. So there's like the there's yeah something triggers her. She sees something that like makes her pull back a little bit and she like she seems nervous. And so in the van outside Jay is like something's wrong. Like something's up. I don't know what's going on, but she hasn't said the safe word yet, so like we can't do anything. She's got this. Voight goes full Voight. He's like no, we need to crash this. Like something's up. I don't know what's going on. They crash the party. They get their guy. Adam like yeets somebody across the room onto the counter. That was pretty great too. The guy like made a move and Adam was like, and I'm gonna fling you against the counter. Whatever. Um, so then later they go to talk to Anna or Voight goes to talk to Anna and is like, what the hell happened? And she's like, you guys jumped too early. Well, that's not what your face said, Anna. Like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not what happened at all. So I lost my place in the outline. So I'm like rambling to cover it up. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the next morning, there we go. The morning after this, Jay or Voight finds Jay and asks for his opinion on what happened. And we'll just play it out. What do you think happened last night? With Anna? Yeah. She looks spooked. It happens. Yeah, not with her. Not like that. That girl's a vault. She covers everything. She does it well. You want to pull her? We got nothing without her. Let me ask you something. What would you do? I want to know, what would you do? We've both seen CIs crash and burn, but she is so pissed off at the world. I think it'll keep her alive. I'd leave her in. None of this bugs me. Not at all. I don't think it bugs me. I just, like I said, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense for what, given like everything that we've gotten to. It's like, in what reality has Voight ever asked for Jay's opinion on something? I, I mean, it, it's yeah, fair. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I think they set up this part correctly, I guess. I, I think Voight might feel like, well, at this point, I got no choice but to do this. It's, 
even though I understand it more, maybe because I like Jamo and I just don't care about Void. Since I don't care about Void, if he acts out of character, whatever, at this point, I'm like, okay, Void, you do you. Um, my my issue with Jay is um, I 100% agree with what Gina said that now that he's got Haley and he's got something to protect, it's basically like he that's his focus 100%. That's what he is like. And then he's like, whatever I got to do to protect this thing that is the most precious thing I got, Haley and my relationship with her, I will do. Um, and that thing I, I see and I respect, but he's still acting like he cares about Void. And that's my disconnect. I'm like, but why? do you care can someone explain this to me because i don't get it like why mm-hmm. yeah it makes no sense none. i mean yeah no none at least for me personally i don't think it makes any sense um it makes sense to me like what jay said to Voight in the mid-season how he was like you think i don't know that you're good for this city like that makes sense to me even though it doesn't it doesn't like Part of that I chalk up to like, okay, TV, there was really no other way out of it other than that. But like, I get that. I think I, I the question I would really want to ask Jesse is like, do you think Jay still loves his job? Like what still, what keeps Jay going still after all the shit that's happened within that unit? What keeps him going and what keeps him part of it? At this point, right. do you think it's to protect Haley? Mm-hmm. I think part of him still loves his job. I think it's just like, yeah, I, 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 he still loves his job. I think it's just, he might be, a, I, I could see him getting a little lost in the months to come where he's like, I love my job, but something's just not right. Like if that's the storyline they're going with, I will be happy. Because what I don't want is for Jay to be doing this for whatever reason he's doing. And I do agree it's probably to protect um, Haley or, or their relationship or like that. Subconsciously if, even, if yeah, that, but yes. Yeah, right. But like if if he does all of this, that in a it looks like it's compromising who Jay was. Um, and he might be like, even without really knowing that he's doing it for that reason, he might be like, it's worth it to compromise it for this reason, for Haley, for us, it's worth it. But if that doesn't cause any kind of reaction in the Jay we know, that would be weird. Like he at least has to have a little bit of a crisis of like, am I becoming Void 2.0? Like, what is yeah. it? Am I pulling him to the good side or is he pulling me into the dark side? And if that's where they're going with Jay, then I'll be happy with that storyline because that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. I didn't even think about the fact that we haven't really seen Jay up until this point, even though he has slightly started to change. Obviously, like we said, I think he's kind of been like a reboot version of Jay, but we haven't really seen him come to grips with the fact that he's changed and his view on policing has changed and whatever we've just kind of seen the end results and so yeah I definitely think if that's where they're going then I just need to see him grapple with it and like make the decision and realize that he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um the the biggest thing for me is when like they have they so Anna basically is like hey I got Paco to like teach me how to shoot I'm gonna find the gun whatever she finds the gun and Paco finds her and like puts the gun in her face, all that stuff. So then later on, um, intelligence arrests Paco. And while they're going through the stuff, Voight mentions to Jay that like, okay, listen, if we bring Paco in, like Anna's going to die. That's just how it works. And so they had this moment where Voight's like, listen, I got 20 ways out of this in my head right now. I just don't think you're going to like any of them. So if you've got a clean way out of this, I'm all ears. 
Like, otherwise I'm going to get creative. I think what this episode really starts to do is it starts to give us a preview into like the Sergeant Halstead era that who knows when it's coming, if it's coming sooner than later. But I can say with 110% certainty that I am very much looking forward to the Sergeant Halstead era. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was looking forward to it like 10 years ago. And not just because it's going to be Jay running the the unit, not just because of that, because Jay is going to find a way to meld the two styles of leadership. He's going to, he's going to take, you know, the stuff that he wants to take from Voight, but then also bring his own spin to it. So, you know, it's just like any other human, how like any other human being has their good and bad qualities, right? Voight's going to, or Jay's going to absorb the good qualities that he wants to absorb from Voight and then put the rest of his spin on it. And it's going to be good. That's going to be so good. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to that whenever it happens. If it's a year from now, if it's 20 years from now, either one, I will wait. But like 20 more years of Hank Voight. No. I can't do it. Like, I like have an 80-year-old Hank Voight just be like, back in my day. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, other than the Hank-centric episodes, what he does most of the time, I'm keeping count, is stand in, like, by his office and yell, do it <laughs> now. And, like, I, I have a running, like, I wish I, I, I knew where I put it. I have a running count of how many times he's yelled, do it now this season i was like how does that help anyone like if you say you do it now that doesn't that doesn't make kevin or adam or anyone work faster what about how he had to tell them three times in the van this episode because he was like we're gonna pull her like let's go let's go (laughs) let's go (laughs) like all three of them were like uh are you sure yeah that was kind of funny that was kind of funny so Brian, take it from here please okay so what jay comes up with they come up with this idea that basically well first jay's like give me an hour and so basically what they end up coming up with is they take paco to this like random house where basically what they end up doing is they use his like ex-girlfriend and son against him as a way to like convince him not to mention anything about anna and flip on javi and he ultimately agrees because he's not going to give up his son. So they bring him in. They start questioning him. But, like, he knows shit. Basically, he's like, Javi gives me the money, but he, I get my orders from a burner phone. That's it. He's like, basically, Javi is smarter than everyone. He's like, I can't hand him over to you because he designed it this way. Like, no one's close to him. No one can handle him. You know, yada, yada, yada. And then... So basically the episode ends and Voight goes to visit Anna and is like, well, we made a deal with Paco and, but he still can't give us Javier. And she's like, well, what's the next play? And Voight's like, okay, well, you need to be honest with me. I understand. I get it. You don't want me in your actual life. No CI does. Makes it seem easier to keep your lives separate. Makes you feel safe. Okay, all right, look, we don't have to do Anna, all of this. you're not safe, okay? You're not. I gotta be in your life. I gotta know you so we can keep you upright. You gotta get that. It's just this thing that happens. When I see somebody, my brain thinks it's someone that I know. It never is. Los Temidos does 
initiations. And when I was hooked in, they, they drugged me, they beat me, and they raped me. And I don't even know who they were, okay? But sometimes when I see a man and I, I hear a voice, it just, it takes me back there, you know? And I, um, That's why I leave that part out, because of that look right there. I could tell you about all the violence that the Midos has done to my family, to my brother, my father. You can see that. Everybody that the Midos chews up. But as soon as I tell you this, that's the face that I get. Like I'm just some goddamn broken woman who you're about to pull off of this thing. No. Look, Anna. And if you want in, you're in. Okay? I just need to know. Then what's next? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think this worked on some regards. Like, I did somewhat start to feel something towards Anna, which I hadn't up until this point. But, like I said, I think it just gets lost in all of the weight of it and of just the whole episode and like I'm not willing to get attached to Anna either because I don't think she's gonna have a good fate at the end of this um but it just yeah mm -hmm. it like kind of half worked for me yeah it worked better than before but it still didn't quite work it's not there yet yeah like as well as most things on fire and net are working now for example yeah for sure and I think we all kind of know, like I said, we all know, I think, that something's going to happen to Anna at some point. She's not getting out of this unharmed, and I just, I'm not going to get attached to her because she's not sticking her. Like, I just, you know, like, it was okay, I guess, to understand where she's coming from and why this investigation means so much to her. Like, okay, fine, but, like, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then we see basically at the very end, so we've got a couple different things. So basically we see that Anna is now working for the bakery that Javier owns. Obviously she's gone undercover. That is part of the next play. And like Voight's looking on from his car. And then we see that like Voight gets a text from Jay basically saying that like, oh, Paco just killed, got killed. So clearly Javi knows that Paco's talking and had him killed and it's just gets twistier and twistier. And we know for sure Anna is not safe. Yeah. Yeah. No. But yet she's working undercover for the bakery because that is yeah. I mean, she wants Los Tomatoes to go down so badly that like, you know, she'll do anything, but I think the the predictable way for this to play out would be for Anna to get killed if they really wanted to like jazz it up and sprinkle some like extra stuff on this whole Voight redemption arc. Maybe Voight takes a bullet for her or something. That I would that I would stick around to see, not because Voight's getting shot, but because it would be interesting. Right. Anything other than the normal way this plays out, which is she gets killed and Boyd feels bad about it because we've seen that before. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's yeah. better. Like, and then there's a, we didn't talk about it. There's a moment when Anna and Boyd are talking where she sort of implies that he wasn't calling the shots. Uh, Void that it was Jay who was calling the shots, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was really interesting to me because I was like, even Anna can see it. 
Uh, <laughs> even though at that point it wasn't Jay calling the shots. Um, yeah. It was Boyd who made the decision she didn't like. Um, Jay would probably not gone in right then. Um, but it still says a lot about the dynamics between uh, Jay and Boyd that outside people can see it. And it's it's sort of funny to me because I'm like, why doesn't everyone, like if they can see it, Haley knows what's going on. But what are Kim and Adam and Kevin thinking? Uh, like, I don't, that's, those are the things that then started like bother me. It was like, no one's like, mm, this is weird now. Why is, uh, we had like um, a scene with Haley by herself and like, those are not normal things um because uh jay was with void and then also if she was if jay was with void and why isn't Haley with kevin or something i don't get it we did get an upwater scene let's talk about the unicorn we spotted in this episode that was an upwater scene that was nice yeah it's like every time these people talk to each other in combinations other than the ships or talking to void we're like yay celebration yeah yeah, yeah. For sure. it's definitely just like the unfortunate casualty of the way they have those episode structures and I feel like I you know we're just kind of like a broken record saying this but like at least the way they used like when Derek and Matt Olmstead and stuff like we're at the helm of the show like yeah there are definitely characters who were at the forefront of the episodes but like we got character interactions from other characters we got them commenting on the other parts of the storyline like it just feels like you said it feels so weird that like we get no comment from Kim and Haley and uh, Adam and Kevin that like about what's going on, like no comment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It just feels so weird. Cause I don't feel like that's really what would have happened. I still prefer this format over what it was in seasons one through four, when it was just like the Aaron and Hank show. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I agree to some extent, but I think it was way more balanced in the beginning seasons, and I liked that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there was a little too much void, and and the show was focused on his, in his relationship with Aaron, uh, but there was more ba- like, yeah, I don't know, I I do a lot to get the balance back, just even a little, like, yeah, if we get uh, uh, a uh, some sort of custody hearing for Michaela. In a couple of episodes and then we have people testifying and i'll, I'll be like oh but are you really friends mm-hmm. why are you like do you even know her like do you even know her outside yeah. of like the moment in the case like have you spent time with the child that kim adopted right have jay and Haley even like been to kim's place and like seen that like interact with michaela i don't think so probably not mm-hmm. i mean it, then, it, based on it, what we know based on right. what we know i would assume no and how is Kevin not Uncle Kev? Like, I, how is that not a thing I've got? Oh my God, I would pay such good money to see an Uncle Kevin scene. Right? Me too. Oh my God. Haley and Jay strike me as that couple who like don't know what to do with kids. So they're like, <laughs> Michaela's there and they're just like, hi. Like, don't know what to do here. Okay. And they be, but it'd be so funny. It would, it would. There's that TikTok sound where they're like, they're, they're, it's on TikTok. The guy, the guy's like, so do you want a beer? And they're like, what are you doing? He's four. And he's like, I don't know what to do with him. Like, that's pretty much what it would be. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I would be a good, a good scene with them trying to babysit. Well, that would require Adam and Kim to have a conversation about, okay. So there's yeah. a lot of things we want See, that's yeah. another that's another one shot I need where like Burza go out on a date or something and like Uncle Kev and Auntie Haley and Uncle Jay like come over to babysit. 
Right. Yeah, but for them to go on a date, they have to talk about their relationship. <laughs> yeah. We would have to like say she has feelings for Adam, which at this point feels like it's never gonna happen. So it's just like, but like the weirdest part is that they just haven't talked about it. Like, yes, they would rather rent an apartment with three bedrooms instead of talking about the possibility <laughs> getting back together. Talking on PD? <laughs> okay, right? we don't talk. Yeah. We get married or nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Marriage or bust. Yep. Yep. We don't talk. We just go straight to from zero to marriage. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Good. Okay, so we did get some listener thoughts. Um, Heather B said, overall, this episode just felt weird. Maybe it was because Haley and Atwater were barely in it, and Voight and Jay teamed up, making it feel like the Voight, Jay, and Anna show with the side of Verzik. Or maybe it was weird because Voight actually asked for and listened to Jay's advice after nine seasons. We see a little bit of Voight letting Jay in on what it's like to call the shots for the unit when he deals with the Paco situation. And even that felt a little bit odd because Voight has never taken a step back before where Jay is concerned. I'm kind of cringing at the fact that it seems like Jay's go-to solution lately seems to be manipulative blackmail but i guess it is a better solution than voight's maybe this is paving the way for jay to step up and take over the unit if something happens to voight i can definitely see that as a road they are heading down with this anna storyline because voight seems so deeply invested in her and as paco pointed out her fate seems kind of sealed already yep yeah um, and then she said, the irony of Jay pointing out that Paco has a house he should not be able to afford. Can you just, how like, and just how do you afford your apartment? <laughs> also true. Um, it's still half of Haley's, so. Yeah. Um, and then she also, of course, mentioned, she said, how cute was that Berzik fist bump? Which we didn't even mention, but it is really cute. It was cute. It was very cute. Um, I was totally thrown by her yellow beanie. I was like, Kim, like, where did the pink one go? Oh I love the jello. It looks so good on her. Yeah. I was even tweeting yeah. and I was like, the beanies. And I was like, this is not a really deep commentary, but she looks <laughs> Adam, Adam had like the flowy Will Halstead hair in this episode. He had like extra flowy hair. It was good. Patty always oh. looks good though. Let's oh, be real. always, always. He is just the prime example of how like men get better with age, which is totally unfair that men get better and women don't. Um, but yeah, like I, he had the flowy Will Halstead hair and then Jay had the severide eyes going. You know how some episodes were like, are, are Jesse's eyes green or blue? Like, which one are they? His eyes were totally blue this episode and they were yep. fantastic. Yep. He should still call his brother, but other than that, we'll go Jay. Yeah. 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 Does Will know that you got married? Like, have you told him? Does he know? Does Will know anything about you? Yeah. Does he do? Does Will know you have even, like, does Will even know that you've been dating Haley? Like, like it, it's been, like, it all, it, it didn't really happen that fast considering the buildup, uh, but since we don't see them talking, like, I don't know, I guess Will will not, would not have anyone he could mention Jay to other than maybe Dylan, but, like, I don't know. There are ways to throw in a, throw us a bone. It's been so many seasons. <laughs> like, I feel like the line in Titanic. It's been 84 years. Like, right. yeah. It would be probably easier for Jay to bring up something about his brother since he has big news to share um, than for Will to bring up Jay at this point. But like, it's long overdue. Um, and it's one of the few connections we have between the shows. So please. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Any other notes on PD? Oh, it was just. Just yeah, 
it was a very meh kind of episode the second time through i was like okay that was that was decent but like also eh, it got lost i i watched it twice too and though i found it more interesting i think the 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 thing that happened the first time i watched and probably the first time you watched it is that we watched it after med and fire which were infinitely superior Mm-hmm. So there was the part that you, even if you don't want to, you're comparing and you're like, uh, this episode just isn't as good as the other. When you watch it by itself, it's it's a better episode and you can appreciate some things, but it's still like, okay, if I ever do like a full rewatch, I could skip this one and everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's about all we've got for today. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. You know you're going to have to come back at some point, right? Yes. That's happening. Thank you for having me. and I'll be happy to come back. Yay! Super fun. Awesome. So um, as always, Shyhards, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Lizzie, where are all the places on social media that we can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lizzie Dad, and uh, you can follow my reviews of One Chicago at Fangirlish. Yay. Perfect. Yes. Go follow Lizzie. If you if you haven't yet, like if you haven't yet, what are you doing? Go follow her. Um, yeah. So if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please feel free to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to us. We would so, so greatly appreciate that. So we're in hiatus now. I don't know what we're doing next week. We'll figure it out. Um, we've got some like little things we're brainstorming here and there. That'll kind of be fun, but yeah, we don't know. So we'll let you guys know what we're doing once we know it ourselves. So yeah, just stay tuned. Um, and in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Watch the Olympics. Okay. I know it sucks that they're taking our Chicago's away, but watch the Olympics. It's so good. It's so good. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. Bye.